is a podcast made in a time when critics and audiences couldn't agree. Two podcasters and their guests set out to change all of it. It happened before and it will happen again. It's just a question of when. <laughs> this is Polarized. <laughs> well, well, welcome. Coming welcome to everybody. A- Earbuds near you in <laughs> this, this January. <laughs> welcome to the podcast. <laughs> if you didn't uh, get what this is about, which um, just like the movie, you know, it, it clearly tells you what this movie is going to be. <laughs> but just in case you didn't get it, <laughs> this is and welcome, everyone. Uh, to polarize podcast. Uh, this is a podcast about polarizing movies, uh, polarizing in the sense of Rotten Tomato scores. Sometimes critics love it, sometimes audiences hate it, or vice versa. Uh, today we are talking about Armageddon, but before I get into that, let me introduce my co-host, Mr. James Lindsay. What up? What up? What up? Hey everyone, how's it going? I'm here. Um, I just saw I just saw Armageddon uh, half of it last night, half of it this morning. Um, it's a it was a two parter for me, but you know I'm here. Uh, if you want to, if you want those scores, I'll come coming with those scores on Rotten Tomatoes. We got a 38 percent from the critics. We got a 73 percent from the audience. People don't agree on this movie, um, but I am I am here. I'm happy to talk about it with you, the great Brandini, uh, as the as the forever. Yes. Forever guess at, at, bow to you. as I am. Oh, I will. I will bow. Bow right back. Yes. Uh, <laughs> mine wasn't as good as yours. Mine was kind of a shitty bow. Sorry. I didn't. I did just kind of. <laughs> I just did kind of a head tilt. Sorry about that. But uh, okay. I am the forever guest. We do have another guest before we before we introduce him. How, how the hell are you doing, Brandon? Brandini. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty pumped to talk about this movie. Uh, so, yeah, I'm jazzed. I'm uh, I'm ready. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I can feel like this energy. <laughs> I'm a whole mix. Like, we're all yeah. like pumped and ready to go with the. Uh, I don't know, like we oh. got, and and not to mention, like our guest is like kind of stepping into veteranhood of this podcast because this is not his first, little, yeah. his first rodeo, if if you will. Um, why you go ahead and introduce him? Yes. So we can talk about a space movie without our resident space advisor. <laughs> <laughs> So it, to get into the nitty gritties of NASA, what it, why is there a gravity on an asteroid? Uh, we have returning guests. And fire. There's fire. Or, or fire or guns. They brought Don't guns. Even get, Don't even get me started. <laughs> they, they even said, what? even Will Patton's like, you brought a gun in space? I'm like, valid question. Did you not notice the Gatling gun on the moon rover? <laughs> <laughs> On the comet rover? What was that for? You you do know this uh, guest from past yes. episode, the Tomorrow War. The I Tomorrow have, War. I had to, to build that up the same way as you would uh, build up mm. an, a trailer from 1998 and, and Armageddon. Um, from from the from the person who talked about Tomorrow War that one time. <laughs> Get ready for Michael Sims. Michael Sims. <laughs> Dude, I love, by the way, that that's my title, the <laughs> space expert. That's great. I'm I'm thinking about getting like a nameplate made or something. That's oh yeah, I really appreciate that title. Yeah, that's, dude. Uh, 
NASA won't return any of my calls. So <laughs> it's good that someone else can recognize my love, my love for space and all, all of that stuff. Hell yeah, dude. If <laughs> we're picking up the call. Yeah, dude. Can can you speak just a little? And this is this is half host, half producer in my mind, but if you can speak like a little more directly into the microphone, I'd greatly appreciate it. Our oh yeah. Our good friend Absolutely. Michael got this uh kick-ass microphone and we're so happy to to have him back to to talk in this in this fidelity it's it's amazing um but so yes our our last space movie that we talked about was was that a that's was that a space movie that was more like a time like sci-fi i guess like it's a science movie i guess yeah yeah, i'm sorry I mean, definitely still resident space advisor, but I think, aliens yeah, I guess right? more generally, yeah, they, they had to come from somewhere. I think it's like, I guess I should have said science, uh, science movie expert. I mean, it's all encompassing. Like I'll, I'll include space. I'll include aliens. And I think in tomorrow we're, I don't know, spoiler alert. I think they came in from under the ice cause the polar ice caps are melting or something like that. It's been a little while um, since we saw that movie. No, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> that, you're was, right. that was exactly it. But where did they come from? Who right. Yeah, we'll find out in the next uh, Tomorrow War 2. And I got I can only yep. hope it's polarizing so we can just uh, pick up where we left off. That that would be great. Oh, um, uh, yeah. But yeah, beyond uh, our movie Armageddon today, you know, I guess we talked about like, you know, your your love of like sci-fi movies last time. Um, but I was just like thinking like 1998, what, what, what were you, what were you doing in fucking 1998, Mike? What, what, what were you doing? Like picking buggers and like, yeah, yeah. let's see what was, so I was like probably like eight years old mm-hmm. around there. I was like eight years old. Um, and in terms of like movies and stuff, I think I was just watching all the, all the classics. I mean, like land before time, yeah. right. Brave Eddie? little coaster. Hmm. Um, Wait, what? Is that like too early? No, I just, uh, if anything, it might have been too late. But I mean, I love those movies. It, no, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I was introduced to them like, but Land Before Time is like a fucking franchise. Yeah, if you're not watching right? the first one, you're probably watching the fourth one at that time. Yeah, yeah that exactly. Time like, sure, I'm yeah. just trying to think of the ni- late 90 movies where I, where I was eight years old and watching them. So so those For are the sure. first two that came to my mind. <laughs> I've seen Brave Little Toaster so many times, dude. That part where the vacuum eats its own cord, it's like terrifying for me. Oh my God, dude. Yeah, that vacuum in general was terrifying, I think. Yeah. Uh, But then also, I think I was still uh, introduced to like sci-fi and space movies because I remember my dad's favorite movie was Close Encounter of the Third Kind, which kind of like- My favorite movies, yeah. Exactly. It naturally fell into one of my favorites as well. And that's where like space- and stuff like that was cool. And I think that movie is really cool to introduce like kids to as well, because the aliens weren't scary. You know, it was no. like, they were just curious, like people, they were just like, yo, what are these humans about? They didn't really get into like, sure. They never felt like threatened as a child, even though there's a scene where a child gets abducted from an alien. <laughs> like, yeah, totally. <laughs> but it's all about curiosity yeah. and they're like kind of music. Right. Like all you really know about them is they're like musical and they're having this like kind of psych psychological effect on, on like their, their dad. And, and there's, you know, I, I didn't see that movie as a child. I saw it, uh, more later in life that, that must've had quite, quite the effect on you as a child. I could, I can only imagine rather than mm. like, I didn't really see ET or that one, but both of those Spielberg kind of, uh, alien movies are pretty different in their in their tone in their own way but also like family friendly too and um yeah that's i just love richard dreyfus man and, and josh uh but yeah so clo- close encounters that's that's great i mean yeah I, putting myself in that time too i, I would i 
definitely still be watching some of those cartoons, maybe like some Space Jam here and there. I'm not sure when that that came out. Some Jurassic Park. Are you guys like any? Uh, oh, yeah. The Jurassic yeah. Park fans, I assume. But uh, yeah, man, I think I think 98 puts me I just had to say I just had to ask that because like it puts me in a time and place of like seeing the poster of this at the movie theaters uh, right next to fucking Deep Impact because it was just like they were coming out right next to each other. And I was like, I guess like asteroid comet movies are like the big deal now. And then the Aeros- oh, yeah. Aerosmith song was just blaring all over the radio. And uh, it just kind of like it was Armageddon fever. But did, did you catch any of that fever, Brandon? Were you great Brandini when you were uh, picking boogers in, eight, in 98? <laughs> yeah, That's absolutely. Something that resonated with me with all of those, like it, there was such a fervor, like you're talking about with deep impact of like a uh, world ending, uh, cause catastrophe mm. porn or like whatever yeah. the terminology is of just we disaster. Yeah. Disaster. Yes. Right. Disaster porn. That's right. And, um, yeah, cause the technology got there, like we could show things, uh, like large scale things blowing up, uh, being, uh, yeah. Like just large scale, uh, a tree, yeah. Um, yeah. Independence Day. Uh, you want to see the White House get oh, fucking blown up? Like it's good. Right. And then you get the VHS of that. I remember we got the VHS and it had that like kind of 3D holographic film on the front. So it like showed the White House normal and then you like twist it to the side and then it blew up. And it was like, that was the big average. Like we're blowing up the fucking White House. It's crazy. Yeah. Oh, so scary. But yeah. Um, no, I did feel that fervor. It also made me think of like uh, J- James. I'm trying to remember when you got into, we, you know, we, uh, some backstory on us and our friendship is that we both went to a Christian school and there was like revelations kind of cropped up here and there. Yeah. Oh, for sure. That was a huge deal. Um, as a way, yeah, it was just like a, a tool for the Christian faith to convert people because it would uh, just tap into that innate fear of, well, if the world ends, where am I? What am I doing? And yeah, there's so much of that at play here. And, it, you know, just on a grander scale, like people, I think, too, as technology and people were starting to come online, we're figuring out that there is the possibility of these, you know, they're just more information is uh, becoming available and people. People are realizing, oh, maybe an asteroid could hit me. And, you know, mm-hmm. maybe and they're on chat rooms or whatever and talking about doomsday. I mean, and that's still just continued to stay around. Like there's doomsday prepper, the show and whatnot. And yeah, it just taps into a very uh yeah, fundamental part of being human is your fear that, oh, that you know, we are just on this planet and we don't have control of things that are in outer space and they could greatly affect us. Um, but yeah, I would say independence day for me to get back to movies would be the one where that one I did see and that made a huge, a yeah. deep impact. On me. Did you guys watch these movies when they were coming out or do you just remember seeing, them? I miss, like, seeing I miss, that were- I miss this one. I remember it was a big deal here in the song. Like I remember going, like walking by TV stores and they'd just be playing this, like just to show, That's off, what TV, I would show off TVs yeah. and stuff. And I just remember like people talking about every it, but best buy yeah yeah I, okay Ind- independence day was one one for me and a lot of these to me are aggressively pre 9 11 yeah oh, for sure like and, and oh, yeah. especially you know this one this the image oh, yeah. is just like 
oh my god this is this is super hard hard to watch you know just or not it's just like weird just replace just, the comet with an airplane and it's like pretty much the mm, same thing like yeah and i mean it's not the they're not the first ones to do cinematic things with uh with the two towers and with the twin towers and uh even like i watched escape from new york somewhat recently and he's like flying a plane through like through the twin towers and that one too it's just like just weird imagery to see so it, but there's just such i mean to touch on Michael Bay himself and his career and his kind of movies, there's just such a brazen way of filmmaking. I, I, I don't know. It's uh, and at the time and at, he was like at the height of his powers, I feel like, you know, like the rock I think had, had come out uh, Yeah, or he was just, he, his trajectory was, was, uh, he was really on the come much, up. Yeah. Like as far as his, his head was up his own ass, I think was just his trajectory in, in the, Oh my in God. Business, yeah. You know? Uh, I would love to talk about Michael. Yeah, let's get into Michael Bay and also Jerry Bruckheimer, too, yeah. mm -hmm. because I mean, Jerry Bruckheimer and we also mentioned Steven Spielberg, like those are the prototypes to Michael Bay. Like I, it's it makes so much sense why Jerry Bruckheimer would have produced a Michael Bay movie, because the I'm sure the pitch and the energy and the grand vision is something that Jerry Bruckheimer would be like, yeah. Oh yeah, let's yeah. you know, let's do that. I'm, and, and I'm speaking of on board. prototypes and Spielberg, and I mean, in the same sentence, do you did you see who uh, one of the writing credits was for this movie? Mm -hmm. Yeah, J.J. Abrams. J. Abrams. Yeah, and this is just like whoa, whoa. this all kind of like locked in. Once I saw that at the beginning and and totally. saw uh, the pace and tone. I mean, the tone is way more just like Michael Bay, but the the pacing of it was such like a J.J. Abrams script of just kind of like. Don't think about it. Keep moving to the next thing. Don't think about this. Don't keep on moving. Um, but yeah, to go back to to Michael Bay, let's. I'm, I was trying to place it. Uh, this movie in his career he did a lot of um, music videos. Clearly, because he did the uh, Aerosmith music video, which was that kind of connection as to why they're uh, so present in this in this movie. But you know, he 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 did a bunch of bunch of different you know types of music videos and like the in the early nineties, like a ton of music videos. Dude, I could, I could list really off a few, shows. Like Donny Osmond, Greg Allman, uh, Neville brothers, sticks, uh, Chicago, vanilla ice. Uh, you know, there's, there's just all, all, mm. all types in Tina Turner divinals. I touch myself video. Oh, I haven't even seen that video, but that's a great song. When mm -hmm. I found you, I touch myself. Yeah, dude, I didn't know he was doing music videos. Is that how he like started? Yeah, That's how he started. Yeah. Like, oh, huge, huge long credits of directing music videos, and then he does Bad Boys '95. He does The Rock '96. He does Armageddon '98. In between The Rock and Armageddon, he does Aerosmith "Falling in Love Is Hard on the Knees" in '97. He does oh. Pearl Harbor '2001. Bad Boys 2, 2003, The Island, 2005, and then it's fucking Transformers. <laughs> you know, like from then on out, I mean, there's like I, that six underground movie is insane. There's Pain and Gain, which I have a weird guilty pleasure for. I don't know why, but love that. Wait, I that love that. I like Mark Wahlberg. Movie? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah, like that, that dude. Movie that movie's so good. Love that movie. And if I can talk about, you know, generally what I don't like about this movie is the tone and the Michael Bay movie of like, I'm kind of over it. Maybe as a, as a child, I might've been more into it of like kind of just watching a, a grown man, like a nine-year-old playing with like spaceships, like, yeah, oh yeah. And the spaceship's going to land the comet and then it's going to blow up. It's going to miss, miss the earth and everything. But it's like, I don't know. And now it's just kind of like comes across as like a, a lot of boomer humor, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of, uh, yeah. a lot, lot of stuff that just doesn't age, age as well for me. But 
you, mm. I, we brought up pain and gain. There's something about that movie where like, I feel myself so much more willing to like laugh at it. And he thinks like, it's, 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 it's like, he thinks, uh, or like, no, here's what it is. Here's what it is. I think for me is the characters in pain and gain are idiots. And yep. it's a, it's a movie <laughs> about idiots that think they're cool. Yep. Which is kind of my prognosis of Michael Bay. And so exactly. when, when you have a movie like this and then you have like a person who is a genius in the movie, like Steve Buscemi is a genius. He doesn't know oh, how to God. write dialogue for a genius. So he Not has to say all. like, I'm a genius is one of the lines that. Oh my Buscemi God. Said. It's like, or just like, like how do you know that? He's like, I'm a genius. I'm a genius. <laughs> Yeah, and even in the psych evaluation, he's he's just saying he's listing what smart people do. He's like, I went to MIT when I was this. I went to this place when I was that. And it's like, okay, yeah, but like, why is he smart? I think there's only one part in the movie where he actually does like some sort of like smart thing. I can't remember exactly right now. It's if if anything, this movie's like shitting. It's shitting on smart people. It's shitting on like Greenpeace and and you know activists and 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 that kind of stuff. And that kind of tone is just. Yeah, it's it's not if it's it's through the prism of someone who's kind of a shitty, dumb person, then it's like, oh, this is kind of funny. And I feel like more entitled yeah. to laugh to laugh at it or something. But when it's just like, yeah, we're rooting for these guys and and we're on their side, it's kind of just like, oh, he, he thinks this is cool. <laughs> like, I, I don't yeah. know uh, if, if that if that makes sense. Um, but no, it makes total sense. Yeah, because I mean, there's like. There's also the pessimism or like mm. vanity and cynicism, all of, all yeah. cynicism and all of those things in this movie too, where he has no problem killing people. Like he also, people who die, like there's a couple people who die. I mean, I would say kind of Owen Wilson, but almost everybody who dies. Well, he, he fits that description of being a, a dumb person that I think he comes across really well in this movie. I forgot to say. Oh, I love, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Owen Wilson. His, his dialogue works really well. He's just like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. But continue. Sorry. No, for sure. No, I loved Owen Wilson in this. Um, but yeah, there's. There's such a mean, douchey, spirited nature to his movies that I really don't like, you know, because I'm okay with and we'll definitely get into it is that this movie hits the beats of what this movie should do. Mm -hmm. And so in that regard, it's really successful and I will give it credit for. Mm -hmm. But it it, it's it's the characters and it is motivations and it's like the undercurrent and it's really the like kind of attitude of the director that really is uh yeah it's like a mean and a bummer mm -hmm. and it just yeah it makes you realize that or it's easy to understand that michael bay is a douche you know <laughs> and people don't like there are plenty of situations and cases where people talk about not like working with them and he also likes to in particular too i was reading some articles about like he wants to over sexualize people mm -hmm. and then that becomes a point of contention mm -hmm. and then so he has to argue with his actors about like oh i want you to be shirtless i want you to be look better i want you to you know just be a yeah uh yeah this like fixture and that's what i'm talking about he made ben everybody... affleck like uh completely do an overhaul on his teeth because he didn't like ben affleck's teeth so uh before ben affleck came and he's like sent him to the dentist for like weeks to get like uh I don't know what it was like caps or whatever on uh, mm -hmm. his teeth. Cause if you look at Goodwill hunting, his teeth are completely different <laughs> than in uh, Armageddon. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And there's, again, like Will Smith has talked about it too, where he had to stand up to Michael Bay and say, like, I'm not going to be shirtless or I'm not going to say these things because it's like mean. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And yeah, you just, and it comes through in the movie of this uh, Michael Bay just seems like an enormous douche. And then to like, get back to pain and gain and to have this conversation about the movie, not just completely shit on Michael Bay. Cause he seems like a terrible person, but, but you're right. He like, knows how to shoot. He knows how to point a camera. He knows right. how to make something entertaining in its own way. Absolutely. And this movie is not slow. It moves along like a SOB. <laughs> like this movie is being shot and edited. Like it is running out of time. Like the earth is in this movie. <laughs> Every. <laughs> it's like i there is so much kinetic energy in the editing and it is really i did find a lot of amusement in watching this because that then gets really pervasive and then gets so much of a cliche and then gets becomes such a drag and not fun to watch just like the i in my mind a classic video of uh of taken with um yeah what's his face um or like you're talking about taking two and they're showing how much they edit like right. one shot. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like how jumping much over a fence, <laughs> jumping over a fence, but it's edited like 19 or cuts. 20 yeah, or, something. or 14 cuts or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. And that, if you understand, I know Mike didn't know about uh, Michael Bay's uh, music video kind of career before this. That makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. And Knowing that helped me a little bit because sometimes it's dizzying in this movie where like, especially a lot of like the command center stuff where it's like the camera's swinging yeah. and it's editing to everybody looking. And I'm just like, uh-huh. holy shit. Or when they're in the spaceship and it's like, here's this. And then we're cutting to everybody. And it's like getting in their faces and you're like, oh, and everyone's like yelling and like freaking <laughs> yeah. out. I mean, I get it's the end of the world and everything, but that's like the whole movie. And it's oh, and, sure. and again, I think you said at the beginning in your Charlton Heston uh, narration that Charlton Heston is the narrator of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> is that it's it's not subtle. It's to every single moment, it's telling you what to think. And like there was mm-hmm. near the end of this movie, um, we'll get to as well, but it's just like and though throughout and generally throughout is like I wish they just like turn the music. I'd sound like an old man or something, and probably that's probably Michael <laughs> Bay would tell him he's like, You're it's too loud, you're too old, but it was just like just like turn the music off for like a second. Cause it's constantly like, okay, we need the sad music. Now we need the epic music. Now we need like some fucking rock. We're getting Aerosmith. And it's like, and then there's this whole soundtrack attached to it as well, which is like coming off the heels of Titanic. And I, I guess Godzilla as well. They figured out the 98 Godzilla was like, Oh, you get successful with soundtracks. And you know, if you have a, a, a single attached, then, you know, you get a, a nominated for, I think they won the, uh oscar for aerosmith for the song and everything but um yeah that's because it's a good song like yeah yeah. oh yeah it's a rock and fucking jam like i have no problem with the aerosmith song but yeah i totally agree like there's never a point in this movie where people are just like in a room having a conversation and there's not a lot of music and like getting into how emotional even this like the most emotional stuff really is with Liv tyler right and even then it's like cut close up music oh, and then it's like one liners and you're like yeah it gets me from point a to point b but it's like obviously i mean it's so apparent that it's style over 
substance. Yeah, like yeah. I'm having a good time, like a roller coaster, mm-hmm. but do I feel a sense of gratification that I would, if I were to, I don't know, read a book or something else like, yeah, like it's thrilling. It's exciting. And you know what? To start talking a little bit more forgiving and about how I do enjoy this movie is just like, that's okay. It's okay for this to be that, you yeah. know, I don't, it's, but, it's but, a, but it's the tone that that is is hard you know when it's like negative and right. you're just kind of like that's mm-hmm. that's where it goes the next step of like oh i could i could easily disregard something like this and it could pro- probably get a benefit and get a better score from me at the end of the day um when we do that but i think that sure. does detract a lot of like man all of this stuff is entertaining in its own way and has such a frenetic uh energy to it um but damn like like just the stuff of like yeah i'm gonna name that after my wife Dottie because she fucking ruins my life on a daily basis and that's like played for laughs and it's just like fuck dude like and that was like and let's get out of the rock music after we say that funny joke you know and it's like the the energy is just off you know it's just like the juxtaposition of like these things of like oh that's what you think is funny that's what you think is cool where, yeah, it's something like pain and gain where it's just like Marky Mark's like, yeah, man, like this is awesome. And then it, Michael Bay's like, yeah, it is awesome. Lens flares and fast editing. And it's like it's like these guys would make are making the movie themselves or something like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, <laughs> um, let's yeah, we can we can get to the get, get to the beginning. Yeah, I was going to I was yeah. going to ask Mike if he had like a favorite Michael Bay movie, but like asking people their favorite movies, that's always a. That's always a hard, hard one. I was, I was thinking, yeah, for me, it'd probably, probably be something like the rock or something, but even watching that recently, it's so, it's so fast and intense. It's, it's hard to get into that pacing. The Island's okay, but it's also like, oh, so over-sexualized. Um, but you, you generally like a Michael Bay movie, Miguel? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I, again, like you guys, so I forget who said it, but it's like, he knows how to point a camera and he knows how to make like shit entertaining. Um, yeah, the very sure. like the very first Transformers, I actually liked quite a bit, um, but then obviously it just like turned into garbage after that. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I couldn't really say I have like a favorite Michael mm-hmm. Bay movie just because I would classify a lot of them as like pretty similar. Yeah, like, a shitty question. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not a shitty question. There's no such thing as a shitty question. It's just like. Yeah. Such an opaque answer, I feel like. It's more like it's a shitty answer. <laughs> I mean, but in the in Michael Bay uh, filmography, like there's Bad Boys, there's The Rock, and then there's Pain and Gain. And I think those three movies are all like super fucking solid. Like, yeah. I, yeah. You no, can, Pain and Gain, honestly, I do like. I do like Pain entertaining. and Gain. Entertaining. You can put them on whenever, and it's like, yeah, like such a good like. You're in a hotel. Such a good time. You're like, or you're, you're all like, you only have a cable box or something. I know we all have streaming and everything, but if like those are such good movies of like being on TNT or whatever, and you're just like, oh, totally halfway through fucking. He didn't. No, he didn't do Con Air, but that kind of that kind of energy, those kind of movies, The Rock or or uh, or The Island or something. It's just like, oh, we can jump into this, even if someone hadn't seen it before. You can kind of be like, oh yeah, I can kind of explain it, and and you'll get it. Especially this movie, like Armageddon and stuff. It's like I I hadn't seen this movie from beginning to end. I feel like I'd only see, seen snippets, but because of it was so prevalent in pop culture in 1998, I kind of feel like I did see it and uh, seeing like snippets of Bruce Willis on the. Um, on the meteor like you know you know he i just kind of knew he died at the end i don't know it was like it was just referenced in in pop culture or even in like 
I feel like in songs and there was some lyric that mentioned or something I can remember, but uh, I'm down to get into the beginning of this movie, which just like fucking goes off, dude. Like it starts with like this Charlton Heston uh, narration, right? And that is early earth with like the dinosaurs and right. Yeah. A meteor hit the earth before and it's going to happen again. And then which, by the way, major fuck you to all the Christians out there. They're like, yeah, by the way, dinosaurs are real. The earth isn't 6,000 years old. Like, get the fuck over yourself. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm like, okay, sure well, there's, there's, there you go. There's still some creationists out there that have combined <laughs> uh, theories or something. I, I <laughs> Well, I, I feel bad for them because they just turn it off probably immediately. They're like, well, this this movie sucks. <laughs> I would see Noah and his arc. Where is it? You know, it's like you got to you got to watch Noah with Russell Crowe, which is also one of our polarizing movies and then you can and then you'll then you can watch this <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you see like from uh yeah like really far like you know outer space view the whole ice age occurs and then it's like yeah it's gonna happen again and then you mm-hmm. get fucking uh what's this is it eddie griffin is that is that his name uh but before that it's it shows that there are parts i guess like there's pieces that and mike maybe you can explain this better is so there's the asteroid and then there's like pieces of the head of it. So really there's like a couple small chunks that fall to the earth. And we get first off is uh, like somebody's working on a satellite or something like that. And then. Uh, yeah, they're in of, space. They're doing they're space. space. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. The space thing. And then pieces of rock like blow through the satellite, uh, kill the astronaut there. And then we get a super fast editing between space and the uh, command center we get introduced to billy bob thornton how did we feel about billy bob in this because it's i i read a little bit about how he feels about the this movie which is really funny uh just okay so the reason that billy bob did this was he like he doesn't like this performance of his and he just did it for the money and the greatest thing is is that there's a bunch of people in this who just did it for the money oh yeah and and even Michael Bay said this is his worst movie. Oh, really? Like there, yeah. Like there are people so much of this. Oh, and then uh, Bruce Willis said he hated Michael Bay's directing and would yeah, never I do tell. this again. I could tell. And, and so there's oh, and all of that like comes in. There's like this weird like phoning it in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes you like it. You're you know because they are solid actors. It they're like operating. Like yeah, they're like floating is, through the ether a bit of all the bullshit. You know, it's, going around it, it, yeah. all the bullshit. Like they still are hitting their marks. They're saying their lines. They're doing the things or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he kind of suc- he, he successfully sets them up for like those big one liners and everything. But if we can even if can I I can bring up the Ben Affleck commentary that if you I don't know if you guys have heard about that at all, but oh definitely Ben Affleck yeah. you know did a commentary about this movie shits and we just like shits on michael bay <laughs> he shits on bruce willis <laughs> he just and he and just through the whole thing and the funniest snippet is uh how he com- he just breaks down the whole plot and how stupid it is of why they would ask drillers to be astronauts rather than ask astronauts to be drillers 
as in like, what is it? 18 days. You can teach a driller to be an astronaut much quicker than you can just teach an astronaut how to fucking drill. And then you just go, he's like, yeah, I can fucking go into the edges of space, but I don't know what makes a good fucking tranny or whatever, you know? And it's right. Yeah. And he's just, he sounds like half drunk while he's talking about it. And, and then he like does a sling blade impression. Uh, and then there's like, yeah, there's just these, I was watching some outtakes and behind the scenes and everything. And Bruce Willis is just like, cucking michael bay the whole time he's oh my god he's just fucking like pushing his weight around being like nah i'm not gonna say that no i think i should do this no that's a stupid idea Nah, i'm gonna do this instead oh he's here he goes he's gonna fucking tell me what to do and because it's two alphas it's two alphas like of course that's gonna happen and then billy bob gordon comes in he's he's like wearing like a super low-cut v because michael bay wears like v-necks and he's like doing this whole impression of Michael Bay and just like <laughs> shitting on him in front of him. He's like, okay guys. And he's doing like this kind of feminine voice. And he's just like, I need you guys to do this and go there. And it's all on camera. I'm like, wow. They were just like ribbing each other this, this whole time. It's, it's, it's honestly sounded like a men's locker room. I, I don't know. Was, oh I'm my sure God. It yeah. must've been uncomfortable for, for some people on set and namely probably like Liv Tyler or something or on, on some of the stuff, but I can't, I can't speak. For sure. I just the energy, I totally make sense what you said about about Bruce Willis. And um, and if Michael Bay was okay, it's not up to him what's on the DVD commentary, but just they seemed okay for Ben Affleck to shit on the movie. It's just like I think that just was just the energy of the whole process. And so it just Uh, totally was, you know. There's a quote from Steve Buscemi and he was asked why he did the movie and the quote. And it's even in like IMDb, I think is like, I wanted a bigger house. Hell yeah, dude. Get, you, <laughs> get, get it. Steve. <laughs> just get that bag, Steve. Get it, just Steve. get that bag, Steve. Cause, he's Cause I mean, he, too. he's great in this, but it's just, yeah, it's also, yeah, it's such a gross and like, yeah. yeah uh, yeah, it's not like it's not necessarily a great performance by anyone, you know, to my point, but they're all great so that at at, at a base level, like it still fits in the movie. So mm-hmm. the, I guess the the real point that I'm making is, is that it's fun to know that that's the case, but it's not like that detracts too much from the movie mm-hmm. because the, the, these people are like consummate professionals, like just legendary people are in this movie. We yeah. The acting, go, the acting is not a problem. The, <laughs> the acting, acting is, is not, not the problem. No, no, the acting's not the problem. The writing's the problem. And then we're going to continue to debate about the directing of it. But yeah, like, but Billy Bob Thornton and getting back to the command center. So we get introduced to him. He is a pretty confident leader of the command center. Um, he is uh, dealing with that. There's like pieces of uh, or asteroids at that point are coming into uh, the are coming at the earth. They land in the earth. And then, yeah, uh, Jameson mentioned to get into that is that we got um, some POVs of what's happening on the ground. And we are in New York. Uh, we are with Eddie Griffin, and he's just chewing up the fucking scenery, just oh, like yeah. you know, doing his Eddie Griffin thing, where he's like, "I'm gonna just talk about everything that's in front of me, and then <laughs> people are gonna talk to me, and I'm gonna make a huge big deal about it." So we can. Wait, just what was the bunch- dog's name again? It was like, bro, uh, it was a weird name. It was like a really weird name oh, for I a dog. Remember. I remember. And then it starts attacking like a Godzilla thing, which is just like, oh, yeah, that's also a disaster movie. Good one. I, I don't know. It's like. Because yeah. it has that. Uh, yeah. It yeah. has that moment in the taxi where there's the uh, 
Japanese couple, I think. Um, oh, yeah. And they want to go shopping. And the guys. And like, I want to go shopping. We can't go shopping. Me too. Classic. Yeah. <laughs> Just, uh, we get a lot of very steven spielberg right all of that and then you this like slice of life stuff yeah and and like oh this is what it's like mm-hmm. to be in new york you got your you got your cabbie mm-hmm. you got you know uh this guy on a riding his bike across the bridge and um and then you got the somehow the most accurate and small uh meteor that does misses all the buildings and goes directly and headshots a dude and like a Samoan big Samoan guy yeah. and then and, just and like and the dog I guess and then like but does, misses it there's no like there's the crater the crater is like <laughs> as small as like a sewer pipe and uh-huh. like drainage thing and it's and then it just misses Eddie Griffin and he's like so I'm gonna yeah, call no, 911 that motherfucker would be dead a hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, everyone oh on the block. <laughs> Everybody on the block. It would have been like, right. I mean, the size of what that like hole was, if it were to hit the earth, like everybody at least glass would have been blown away and maybe there was a, i mean no you know what though it ends up getting into the destruction quite a bit because like you know to the credit of this movie is like from fucking jump we are like asteroids are coming down people are dying in space we're in the command center everybody's like what the hell's going on swinging around the command center what tell me what, what is going on right now then it cuts to this eddie griffin almost keeping the energy of that yeah. just being like i'm walking down and then you know all of this shit happens then the his dog runs away and then the samoan guy's like oh get your dog and then boom meteor just you keep that energy because <laughs> everybody is yelling and screaming and talking very fast <laughs> in this whole movie and so he's just michael bay is like oh Okay, everyone, I want to do 20 double jacks and then we're going to go and just start. And then he's just like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> just fucking. All right, we're gonna go to, I'm going to go to Crafty just... real quick and get a, get a little. <laughs> okay, we're good. Oh, my problem I... my problem with that whole like uh, interaction, though, was that afterwards it was just like, okay, everything's back to normal. Because like NASA, like this was like top secret, right? Because this was like this was just the warning shot as like Billy Bob mentions later. But like yeah. this was just technically the warning shot where it's like, okay, there's like debris mm. from whatever thing hit the asteroid to make its trajectory start heading towards Earth or whatever, right? That's um, what it was. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. Because that's that's the other part where I'm like a little that's like where the science part of me is asking, like, okay, so this wasn't because like the orbit, if there if there is an orbit of an object, then like we we are pretty like confident we can calculate like if we're we're gonna have a direct hit on Earth. The, the more likely scenario, which I'm guessing is what they, they don't explain this, obviously, but like this is what I'm guessing happened is like somewhere in the Kuiper belt, which is, I believe, between Jupiter and Saturn. There are just yeah. like massive fucking oh, rocks that's, that's in what space. It, oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. That is exactly what happened is that it the asteroid itself had passed the belt and what hit the Earth was part of the asteroid belt. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So something got deflected. I didn't, I didn't see that in the movie, I guess, but like something got Wait. deflected and that's why it's headed towards earth. Um, yeah. And I also think that the calculation is like 18 days or something. Mm-hmm. And so that also mm-hmm. makes sense. Like with proximity, like this is obviously something that, cause otherwise if there was an orbit, we would know like months and months in advance, like in don't look up the more recent movie. I think they give something like, eight months or something or six months uh, yeah. right because they're they were able to find this thing and like compute it's like orbital trajectory and be like okay now we know like where this thing is and like where it's coming from 
Um, and that's like more realistic because you'd have a lot more time. So that, that part, I don't know. Well, it's kind of weird. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton says, we only, what does he say? We only have a three percent or three mile radius around it's a big the ass earth. Sky. And it's a big ass guy. To be fair, sir, well, it's a big ass guy. That actually, I, I appreciate about the movie because that is accurate. Like that's what I was getting to is like in the Kyber, there's a shit ton of objects out there that we aren't tracking. We're just looking at like, okay, these are some big motherfuckers. We want to keep our eye on them. But that's like pretty much all we do in terms of like safety. So there could be technically something hurling at us right now. And like, that's not in our solar system. And we have like zero idea. Right. And it could just like come fuck us all eventually. But again, I think we'd have plenty of time to to figure something. I'm so happy because this is, I thought about this, the whole movie as well was you brought up, don't look up. And so we've all seen it here. That's, that's good. Um, yeah, yeah. Because I could not stop thinking about that movie when I was watching this and, and yeah. all I could think about was don't look up essentially serves as a satire of, of this movie. Whereas like this movie, while it is cynical in a lot of ways, it's also like simplistically optimistic in other ways. In the way that like you look at don't look up and how people's reactions are of like the information that they're being told, like by the end of Armageddon, first of all, Americans keep the information to themselves at first. We can talk about that. Uh, But by the end, when the when the information is given, like everyone just like bands together and everyone get all everyone turns religious and everyone begins to pray and everyone gathers up and gets behind the cause of the Americans and I guess that's maybe just more the nationalistic side of uh, right, but of that's Michael like Bay. the opposite of what "Don't Look Up" reaction exactly. was, right? Like that exactly. was kind of like what the whole movie was about. Whereas in Armageddon, yeah, I agree. Everyone's just like, okay, we're working together. Like this is a whole thing, and they even say it. I too, I think they in the movie in Armageddon, they're like, this is like one of the biggest joint missions from every country. And I'm like, that's funny because in the movie, they only show us people taking care of anything. It doesn't seem like there's any intervention from any country at all. <laughs> well, yeah. Cause right after what happens is they find out that it's, it's coming in 18 days. Billy Bob Thornton is like, this is top secret. Nobody can know about this because once they, they uh, figure it out, then there's going to be riots. Yeah. There's going to be like, the, the whole societal world and economic world is going to just completely shut down. Um, yep. And then when it does, they do eventually can't hold it in any longer because uh, was it somewhere in, in China is, is destroyed. Everyone yeah. bands together at the end and no one, and then no one talks about it. And that just hubristic, like nationalistic American directing like tone that he's, he's placing oh. forth in this movie was just like, it was so, hard to watch after someone just satirized it like so well recently and don't look up of like mm-hmm. of 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 people's attitudes and how and their reactions towards it and everything um and yeah and in in ways of many ways of being cynical he's like very optimistic about the american heart and mind about how they would yeah. react react to thing and how uh individualistic they are they like americans are and how how he handles it and how well, the rest of the world just like gets in line with their thinking when you see, Which, don't, don't look up. It's just all nuance and gray. And like, everyone's just like either doesn't give a fuck or like cares a yeah. lot. And, and, and there's all different variations, but here it's just like assume the reactions are just assumed of how people are going to, they're just, well, and I honestly monitor. think it begs the question of why I he even included, um, I, I would, I say it would, be, it begs the question of why he even, uh, 
has that first part of the film in the first place then like why Michael Bay? Because honestly, I think the reason critics probably don't like this movie is probably like the first like 30 minutes of the movie, I think is like some of the worst parts of it. Cause like you, we've already touched upon it a little bit where it's like the, it's just like everything's fast and loud. And um, like the, it's just like cutting each thing, like here, everything is like being cut super fast. Um, and that, that's like, I think kind of the, the part of the movie where he could have just started with like, okay, this thing happens in Asia somewhere and people need to come together to figure it out because like they make all this effort to be like, Oh, this is top secret. This is top secret right in the movie. But then the people find out anyway, cause there's a second event now where like meteors are coming from space and there are people I'm guessing are like, okay, what the fuck's going on? And NASA finally has to go like, okay, there's a massive like asteroid headed towards earth. Uh, but I think he could just sort of start the movie there and it probably would have gotten a bu- much better score. Yeah, yeah, he really wanted to start it with like a big uh, like and and again, I'll give him credit for this. Like he, he, he uses a lot of money and all of the money is on screen. You can see like yeah. all, of the, <laughs> yeah. all of the money is on screen and he shows it to you like right off the bat. And there's never a yeah. moment where like uh, I'm like, oh, man, how much movie how much did this movie cost to not be as successful in the critics eyes or something? And it's like it doesn't really matter. I mean, he like. He he wanted to show all the effects and everything, and there's plenty of those like they're there panning <laughs> down the street with all the cars exploding and, and all that. But uh, oh, I was I, I, I was going to mention that too. You had it. You had a point, Brandon. That right before you were, were you going to say something? Oh yeah, just I would disagree with the uh, don't look up being a better version of that specific point that you're talking about of like being more just different. Um, yeah, satirizing and making like a of uh satirizing armageddon almost is 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 kind of what i was thinking but sorry yeah continue yeah i would actually that's a thing that i noticed and found a flaw in it because i think it is very similar to armageddon where it is so u.s focused we are the ones sending up astronauts the only and don't look up the only time we ever talk about working with other people is there are these brief mentions of like russia didn't like what we're doing so they sabotaged it or china is trying to figure it out and they blew up their rocket or whatever like it's so dismissive and small and it's not Hmm. a they don't make a point of it at all and don't look up and they don't make a point of it at all in this of like because you know i if it's because it's economy of filmmaking i get it it's just you know uh james you've seen this and a movie that does uh like geopolitics so fucking well so now it's not an excuse for anything i feel like i know what you're gonna say but yeah in the loop oh that one i was gonna say arrival uh, that's what i was thinking of yeah. arrival arrival 2 is fantastic yeah. but i haven't seen uh i don't think i've seen in the loop maybe I, I might have started it one time but yeah okay but yeah like both of these movies are so yeah focused on the u.s i mean mm-hmm. but man i'm sure michael bay is just you know thinking oh but i you know let me include these beautiful shots of india uh, a couple other places on the planet and just show like these people doing their Either Very, like, like a religious, stereotypical kind yeah, of stereotypical, their religious ceremony, they're coming together, they're doing all of that. Look how worldly. And I will give him credit. I'm glad that it's in the movie because it does add scale. And I and that is also something that works real like he does do well, is that there is a sense of large scale impact. And th- and a lot of it to your point is is like he the money given is on the screen where things are big and they're, you know, and and it feels like it, you know, and not 
not only of what it's trying to say, but what it visually looks like. It's very large. And um, yeah, but it pays, there's no, NASA isn't working with anybody else to figure out how to, uh, how to stop this asteroid. We got a British, we have Severus Snape, who's like the smartest person. No, it's uh, Lucius Malfoy. Jason, Jason, oh, yeah, yeah, Jason yeah, Isaac. Yeah, sorry. Is, uh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I yeah. got what you meant, though. Yeah. 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 Uh, Lucius Malfoy, right. Um, he's, yeah, essentially the smartest person outside yeah, of Yeah, Bruce Buscemi. Willis just shits on him. He's like, he comes off all smart at first. And then once Bruce Willis, he's like, yeah, fuck these. Smart oh, just cuckolds him. Fuck smart yeah. people. Fuck astronauts. Like, we just want those salt of the earth people, as Ben, ben Affleck would put it in the commentary. Right. That, that scene. Yeah. yeah. Um, Dude, by the way, real quick, the the shot of when they meet the astronauts, like they're or not the when they meet like the other people they're going with, but like when Bruce when he's like in when Billy Bob's like saying like, well, here's some astronauts right here, and it's like a group of like six extras, and they're just like the dorkiest white guys like in the world, just like <laughs> sitting there oh. like nerdy. No, I'm talking about before they meet like uh, the main astronauts that they actually go oh, on the mission. Gotcha. There's a part where Billy Bob shows he's like, "Here, so we have like some astronauts," that, and and that's when Bruce Willis is like, "No, I need my crew. Yeah. Like these guys are." I was just laughing so hard, like, dude. A lot of these astronauts are like retired Navy or like Air Force that like fly jets and shit and like can handle insane amounts of G's. Like they're not bitches. Like these astronauts are fucking. Pretty, Definitely not. Pretty gnarly. Yeah, he's just like, so, yeah, he's like shitting on astronauts. Just so shit on A everybody. bunch of science nerds and yeah. just sit there and do experiments and shit. I'm like, <laughs> what? come on, man. Like, I'm a driller, man. I still, I'm still learning new things about drilling. In all my years of drilling, I'm still learning new things. He's yeah, like, yeah. He's like, you took my prototype, and and so he's like, and the Jason Isaacs is like, well, there's no patents in space. Yeah. <laughs> oh. There's no patents in Mars or they were trying to use it for like a Mars thing or whatever. Yeah, yeah, they had already built it and they based it off of his patent. So it was just weird that they would have gotten it wrong. I just that I didn't understand all I of know. that. He's like, and, it's, and, and it's reverse. Like you, you yeah, in reverse and, somehow. Yeah. I like his character, though. And I think I don't know. It could be a good transition if you guys are ready to talk because it yes. seems like we're almost at that. Part oh, let's talk about Bruce Willis. No, I, well, I was going to say yeah. I was going to say the other guy, the smart guy, where they're talking about how they're going to deal, like posting the solutions of how they're going to deal with oh, the, the like asteroid. Right? I like that like, scene a lot. I it, I liked it so much that I would almost like in my mind, I was like, this is the pitch of the movie. It's like somebody's like, well, if an astronaut is, yeah. uh, you know, is going to hit us. We can't just shoot something at it, but like, you know, a firecracker, <laughs> like if you just held an open palm and would just, you know, blow up like that. But if you close your hand, <laughs> it would blow your hand off. And it's just like, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, that sounds right. Uh-huh. And then whole, whole movie is based around. <laughs> did, any, did anyone see like the massive contradiction in that explanation though? Because like the... The one of the generals, I think it is at the table, suggests. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like, he's like, uh, he's like, why don't we just like blow this thing to smithereens? And the same guy who does the firecracker analogy is like, that's a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you literally pitched that idea. Like, it's the same idea. I don't like, yeah, you're drilling, but like, <laughs> you even see it at the very end, not to like give too much away, right? But like at the very end, you see the diagram of the ash, like, okay, it missed, right? And it like splits perfectly. I'm half of like, bro, I know. this is 
this is not this is not this this is not it and he even says it in the movie they say don't like blow it up and then they agree all to blow it up they're like yeah we're still gonna blow it up i'm like wait what they just said that was a terrible idea like what the fuck yeah, there's not gonna be like any of that is gonna go perfectly too too uh perfectly halved pieces of the meteor yeah. split and go separate ways and then they also like I, I don't know maybe it's a stupid idea but they had like the guy was with like we can attach a sail to it or something and then it can like blow solar wind solar, solar wind. wind i was like if anything yeah. that's kind of made a little bit more sense and like you don't have to bring a fucking right. nuclear weapon that's on the board actually, and blow something up you can just like divert it in another direction like well i was just gonna like, say that's we get not a real fucking idea like shut the fuck up science nerds yeah <laughs> like they, they like literally anything, let's, shoot, let's shoot a bunch of rockets up there with other rockets and then have them fire their uh, rockets to move the asteroid, right? Well, so that's actually closer to what is in place. Like if something were like to happen like that today, because right now they're also oh talking God, about totally. like mining asteroids, right? That, that's another thing is like there's a lot of resources on these asteroids and we can go and mine them. And so oh, some of the technology they're you're talking, talking like about, don't look up. Yeah, but yeah. It's, that's based off real events, though. That's actually true. Like in scientific literature, people are talking about this because there's a lot of resources out there. And it's like, well, if we could just go out there, like Elon's like got mad money behind the scenes right now, I bet. Doing oh research God, on yeah. just this exact thing. But against, but essentially what to Brandon's point and to the solar wind point is like, that's a lot closer to a realistic solution where it's like, OK, we don't necessarily need to like blow anything up. We just need to divert the the things like movement so granted this is a very big object so it would take a lot of these but it, that's like technology that we're coming up with right now are are basically like cube, cube satellites and, and these little nanotechnologies that could just go up and operate in space and yeah if they could connect to it you really don't need a whole lot of force to move like comparatively i would say like to the mass so trajectory if it's, especially if it's that far away yeah yeah, exactly. With, a, with enough time, you could literally just be like, okay, this thing's fine. Like, we don't have to, if anything, you just have to worry about like the debris from uh, the mass, the asteroids, like mass, like everything sure. that floats around it with its gravity. Well, now we got Space Force, so we don't have to worry about it. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> you get a rover with a big enough gun that can shoot through anything, then, you know. Just yeah, GG, GG space. Or or you can or you have good <laughs> enough drillers. Uh, Mike, like as somebody who likes these kind of like, you know, like sci-fi and and and, and more you like more of the hard, harder sci-fi, right? How was it like watching a movie that dealt way more with drilling than it being an astronaut in space flight? I felt like I mean, there was <laughs> there was the training montage of them like doing the the astronaut stuff and that was kind of it. The rest of it was like a lot about the drilling. <laughs> Well, and that's why I kind of could argue that this is not really a space. Movie. It's just like, it's just like close earth orbit movie. Like, you know, it's not really a space movie. Sure. They go to space, but it's like even the part where they like first take off they're like, Okay. We're going to just whiplash you around yeah. the moon. Like they get to that asteroid in no time at all. Like, first of all, they should never have made it off that uh, refueling station. Like right. that's, that fire starts and then literally there's like three minutes worth of action that transpire and then they make it on the shuttle and escape. I'm like, no, 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 no. That fire starts. You have like 60 seconds. If that, if that, if that, and then everything yeah. goes to shit like that, right. that part, I was just like, I don't know guys. Like, Yeah. And then they spend, they spend the last hour of the movie on that, on that meteor. Which was a which was a real set um, that they built and everything, which I thought was kind of cool. But 
Yeah, I guess we can kind of go. I mean, they, they, that all that shit happens. They realize they need to hire this driller. I don't know. Just it, it, before they even know they need to hire a driller, it just cuts to Bruce Willis on this um, oil rig that's kind of just like, what is he doing? He's hitting golf balls at the Green, Greenpeace protesters in their boats. Yeah. Um, mm, and just yeah, like, an oil drill. just chuckling. Um, and yep. then, you, then he rolls up on Ben Affleck betting his daughter um at their place of work <laughs> and then he chases him down with a shotgun and, and is shooting at him over all over like i don't know it's like michael i can imagine what a michael bay workplace could be like <laughs> you know yeah. uh, this, <laughs> pretty I, much yeah it's just like the most kind of i don't know just just how things play out in this movie it just it really reminds me of like a, i've said i'll say it over and over again like a 10 year old writing a script or something or or, or just it, it's just it's so flat and straightforward and everything um and then uh yeah he chases him chases ben affleck with a shotgun uh there was in the little bit of infra, like behind the scenes information i got there's numerous stunts i think in this movie that uh were dangerous to the actors which kind of like mm-hmm. gave me a bad feeling about his his sets and and his directing style and everything. And I think sure. some of those poles that dropped near Bruce Willis, like it was dangerously close. And then Ben Affleck insisted on doing all his own stunts because he was hot shit at the time and just wanted to do it yeah. all. And then he was right. like he he got himself into a a few scary situations. I think there was that there was one where it was his spacesuit where he was stuck in a spacesuit and couldn't breathe. And he had to grab like a rock and try to break himself out of his helmet because he could not breathe. Um, stuff yeah. like that just freaks me out, you know, uh, thinking that you just you're not safe on the set. But I was just going to talk about those two scenes. And then I don't know you, th- th- any uh, any opinions on the crew. You know, I I, uh, I yeah, getting, uh, can I just like say, little snippets yeah. of introductions? I, yeah, I think I was the next part I was going to go to. Oh, for sure. I would just now getting into it like Michael Clark Duncan, R.I.P. Like, dude, I love the fuck. I forgot out of that guy. he he he's he's not with us anymore. He is not with us really? anymore. Yeah. Wait, no. who is who is Michael Clark Duncan? Bear. Oh, he's in, he's in the island too. Yeah, yeah. That guy's that guy's gone. Wow. Yeah, man. And it was interesting reading about it because like, so Michael Clark Duncan hadn't been in a movie before this. So this was like, his like, like real breakthrough. Cool. And there was a tale of Michael Clark Duncan was like fucking up his lines because he just didn't like, he wasn't confident and he didn't understand really uh, some of the direction. Understandable. (laughs) I'm sure Michael Bay is like not giving him shit. And, um, they so Bruce Willis and Michael Bay had to have a conversation with Michael Clark Duncan being like, we just need you to be really lovable. Can you please do that for us? And then from there on out, he was a black, you know, he nailed all of his shit and he is awesome. He is, it brings so much fun and his natural charisma, like is one of the only people in the movie where you're like, fuck dude like this guy is a good person like i want him to i want him to succeed 
Mm-hmm. Like he just seems like he cares about everybody. He's like totally on board. And then he's also like super fun. He's like, God, you know, he, he, they, when they pick everybody up to turn them into astronauts, he's just on the fucking motorcycle yeah. running away from yeah, the lawn. Like, Come get some. Come get he's some. got this gold chain that just says bear on it. And I'm like, Ugh. and he's all right. And then he's also got that uh, cowboy vest on him. Like, dude, Michael Clark Duncan is so fucking cool. Yeah, I, I no, just, honestly, I've, I feel that way about most of the ensemble, though. Like everyone wasn't lovable, right? Sure, but it was like most of the ensemble. <laughs> I really <laughs> well, right? But again, I love Steve Buscemi. I really like, and that's funny that you guys talked about the acting and like yeah. how people really just did this for the money and they didn't really care. And like, but they're good actors, so they still. I think that's the whole reason why uh, the audiences love love this movie is because I think the whole ensemble, that ragtag group of people, I think that's what really brings everyone together, you know? Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was just like a good cast, a good group like Owen Wilson, right? Uh, Michael Clark Duncan was extremely lovable. I agree. Steve Buscemi. I freaking love his character. Yeah, yeah, dude, exactly. I mean, I just watched Minari, Will Patton's in Minari and he's amazing in, in Minari. Yeah. Like yeah. absolutely, I mean, Minari is a perfect movie, and he's perfect in it, and he—he's just the best. And I—I I love so much of Will Patton's like his looks. He just has mm-hmm. this look to him where he's confident but concerned that I'm just so like on board with. He, yeah. he can just as look at Bruce Willis and just be like, oh, "You son of a bitch," you know, and it just like. Oh, he sells it so much. I love it. Yeah. Man. Loyal, like steadfast. It gives you that look like he's, he's understanding you or he's like trying to understand you. He's going to just going to be by your side. I think I remember the Titans a lot. Uh, with, yeah, with, for with sure. His, his role. I guess I saw that a lot, which is around that the time of this movie growing up. Um, and I said before, like Owen Wilson, his, his lines come across so well too. Cause he kind of fits that not a painting. You wouldn't be in pain and gain, but he has this, this about the, maybe the same IQ as maybe a pain and gain character or something. Sure. It just kind of yeah. comes, comes across a little more like spacey and uh, yeah, he's like riding a horse and then bears riding a motorcycle. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. What are the, what, are, what was everyone else doing? I, I don't know. Steve, Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi's with hookers. Yeah. And, and they all have like um, the, interesting the bigger names. guy is like at his mom house, right? He's at the He's mom's getting house. getting a tattoo like, in his mom. Oh, a tattoo. Yeah. Is, the FBI like, shows up. He's getting a tattoo. His mom oh, comes yeah. in and she's like, is that, did you do something? And then she, he's like, mom, what are you talking about? And then she points mm. outside and then they, they pick him up. You know, what was as a, as a, I, I just want to it's say a music it's a video, dude. It's like plays like a music video. This part. Oh, for sure. I, yeah, I, oh, love, yeah. I, I love getting the gang together scenes. Like, yeah, I'm, yeah, so, I'm yeah. so for it. gang getting the gang together scene. For sure, dude. But it's, it's a, with Will Patton, with also Ken Campbell, who's like the bigger guy as a guy who and Bruce Willis too, like as a guy who was balding and now is bald, it's like it was interesting that such a big movie had people who have like terrible hair like will Patton's hair looked like he was in a windstorm <laughs> where it was just like he's like almost completely bald on top but his hair would just be like this like thing that would like stand in like weird areas <laughs> and then ken campbell like clearly see his skull but he had like spikes yeah and it i think just it was, was more about kind of yeah kind of blue collar guys doing doing these things and then i think they tried to push forward the from my understanding, the Ben Affleck kind of romance into it a of bit course. more. I think the ti- Titanic was a huge movie around that time was, was kind yeah. of like an influence of like, Oh, we can have a disaster movie with like a romantic undercurrent this throughout it all. 
that ends in some sort of tragic way, um, I think was, and just to, I don't know. It just makes me think like cynically about the movie itself as well. Just like Bruckheimer being like, Hey, we got Titanic. Is that right now? What, what can we do with, uh, that, that mm. copy what they're doing a little bit, you know, but I love oceans 11. I love a good, like get the crew together to knock out whatever it's a heist or a job or whatever it is, especially yeah. if it's like, you know, yeah, I got to get my guys. I got to get like, I can't have any of the, you know, and it's just like, I, I get the sentimentality kind of, of everybody's of, competent, of even though they're like crazy characters, everybody, and they, they all, everybody gets their like day in the spotlight to be like, you know, here's me doing what I'm really good at. And yeah, they just all, you know, they, yeah, just that is the best part of this movie. I'll just say that now, like yeah. the best part of the movie is all, all of these characters hanging out together, you know, getting ready. So I to, agree. yeah. Right. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, so fun. Um, so now that, you know, where we're at is, so all of them are together. So now they're starting the astronaut training, uh, like, so real places, like they're training in like real facilities. Yeah. That there was a cool part too. Like the, Na- the big NASA facility with the big door. The big door. I like that. It, there, I, I've never seen this, but it was like a a trivia about the movie is that the equipment that it was shot next to, because you have a actual oil rig, you have NASA with like all of its shit is like in the billions of dollars. So not the movie didn't cost that much, but it like featured a, like oh, billions of dollars okay. of worth of equipment. Okay. <laughs> Which is such a weird, you know, kind of thing. Like, you're never going to be like including the background <laughs> yeah, or like, like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's like, like if you don't, have, if you don't build the set it's one thing if you build the set that's surrounding you it's another if you're just like shoot, shooting in a museum <laughs> yeah. and like oh the Mona Lisa's right there I mean this movie's <laughs> technically priceless <laughs> Oh, kind of a weird thing to mention because, like, the Empire State Building like falls apart. I don't know how we could price that, but you know. (laughs) So, one thing I, in particular, I wanted to ask Mike about this: uh, if this is a real thing, is is there a like a a, on this planet room that NASA has where they remove gravity? Oh yeah, I I need to look into that. I (laughs) thank you for reminding me about that because. I, I what I assume because they basically try and get as I, it seemed like they were in like a very deep underground bunker and they basically created a vacuum a vacuum they said it they're like we're going to create a vacuum yeah. which that I know is is real oh, okay. we can we can simulate vacuum we, we can do that and we've done that like here on earth but I, I don't know about the whole gravity thing i think yeah oh i get no 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 you're right i'm sorry to uh, to mention gravity that's what i was talking about is like it just seemed like there was a very large room that they could simulate a vacuum and i'm curious then if that is something that astronauts train in i don't know i don't know if it's as big as they because again i think everything that i know that i've seen and i'll have to like look into this but i'm pretty sure the most most vacuums are rather small. Like yeah, they're they're, right. they're really just testing how particles move through vacuums and like how totally. light travel. And you don't really need like a huge space to do that. But I could be wrong with that. But I'm pretty sure like at least for the very first couple and like the early on ones, I think they were 
they were just like smaller. But we we do simulate those. We have like labs and stuff that, that where was you the can. Per, that was the back. purpose of that room with the big fucking door. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. okay. Gotcha. Because yeah, were, I mean that was yeah. legit. That was real, and and they were they were using like real lo- locations apart from the control center that's like featured in like the final mission of the movie and everything. Uh, because an actual mm-hmm. NASA control center, according to Michael Bay, was not sexy enough. Yeah, and so, that was my kind of gripe with that too. Is a lot of like the the holding areas for like the the Humvees or whatever those like cars were that they take the rovers. That I was like, where where the oh, fuck does the NASA have this? Things? Yeah, yeah, was, yeah I'm like, crazy. where the fuck. <laughs> What the fuck does NASA have this thing? Those like foam uh, spikes and stuff. Yeah, he like picked like it was like an Herbalife fucking uh, <laughs> building or some shit like that. And he like s- yeah. stuck NASA on. And the funniest thing to me too was how like okay, so you got the Freedom. They all they get split up into crews throughout this part too. It's like so Ben Affleck is going to be on one crew, Bruce Willis is going to be on the other crew. But one's the one's the Independence else? and one's oh how could you forget freedom. the Freedom be the Freedom because freedom, the fucking, there's like the the logo is on fucking yeah. everything, everything dude and the font is like such like a fucking I don't know just yeah like oh it's gonna look cool it's like why the fuck does it need to look cool like who fucking cares like you're you know what the world like if it doesn't go well at least we fucking look cool man like yeah. they were in the oh cockpit and then there was a shot of Will Patton like down from below and up on the wall behind him was just a big freedom thing <laughs> in the cockpit why like who gives a fuck like why does, why does it say freedom in the cockpit in case you forgot what fucking crew you are on a ship you're in I'm uh, so glad you brought that up james because it made me think of uh no time to die when there's the q radar and then they all have their like own icons oh, and there's yeah. this whole like <laughs> like there's this whole aesthetic to the radar like, <laughs> are we just doing a mission here like why does this need to look cool <laughs> like, because know? there was some <laughs> symbology to bonds what do you have it's like a trident or something and that represents ah there was some and there was no like <laughs> It was so like subtextual that it was like kind of frustrating. That they, but like, James, to your earlier point, is is like if you're just completing a mission, right? like it would be like a square in a circle. Like that's all we need. Yeah. We're we're trying to get this done because yeah. the Earth's at stake or whatever. It's like we're not going to be like okay, so we're going to hire this graphic designer. He's going to come in here and he's going to make this little icon here. He's also going to create this font here. Like that's not going to happen. We have, eight, we have eighteen days the graphic artist is just like damn it i can't figure it out i can't find a cool freedom logo it's just billy bob thornton on upwork and he's just trying to hire a freelancer (laughs) (laughs) i mean okay so freedom and independence the names of those Mm -hmm. um and also pretty solid can i solid it checks out yeah Yeah. oh yeah that that totally checks out maybe maybe i'm jumping my too far ahead you know, I, there, I was gonna ask a question to mike too you go you go ahead mike do you know if there's a naming convention that would actually happen in that scenario i have no idea i am pretty sure they just think of stuff like that like uh what the, sure. the most recent one right now that spacex did with the inspiration four crew right it's just like they they just totally. leave it up to the people i guess and they just like they find a name that everyone agrees on and that's what they call it like challenger right that's another famous one if only like it. people could vote on it it'd be like blasty mcblasty into space right into space yeah that would be a lot more fun <laughs> that would be a lot more fun but i don't think there's like a standard one brave little spaceship goes to mars <laughs> 
<laughs> Isn't that the sequel to Toaster? Didn't, didn't Brave Little Toaster go to Mars? Oh, yeah. yeah that was actually... Did it really? Is that, I didn't yeah. see that. I oh, watched wow. that more, more than the original one because I have a younger brother, it. and he was at the age where that one came out. So we watched that. My parents, uh, my dad put a, a TV in our van. And so, cause oh, we would cool. always go on like um, road trips, especially to the beach. There was uh, two summer, like I would say probably two years, maybe three, where during summer we would go to the beach every single day during summer. And so he had designed this, um, like a DVD player and a uh, overhead uh, screen. And so we would watch movies while we were like going to and from the beach, which oh, is like nice. from Temecula, I would say like what, probably about an hour ish drive or whatever. 40 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Which as a kid, it seems like a fucking eternity. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, no. Yeah. So you're right. My point. Uh, I didn't even, I like it. I, it came rolled off my tongue so easily. Like brave little spaceship goes to Mars. Wait, that was an actual thing. What I don't know. It was weird. Like, <laughs> I like, oh, yeah. had a flashback oh, yeah. and my blacked out for a second. I had like a weird flashback. It was weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd never seen that movie. But uh, those I was gonna ask Mike about. I don't think I'm jumping too far ahead. Would it be possible to launch? two space shuttles so close next to each other like that would that be an advisable thing to do <laughs> to do it so fucking close like would you run into some problems why do they have to be right fucking next to each other like you're going into space like you like it's gonna doesn't fucking matter at that point texas is also huge like i don't know Bill, yeah. Like, yeah plenty plenty of room yeah, I, mean, I would say Texas I would, is so big it's the size of the asteroid. I know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, actually. That's what they say. <laughs> Which I love. Okay, continue. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, I think I was just going to do a quick tidbit before I answer the question uh, that I I hated how they didn't use the metric system. Like, oh. they get everything as miles per hour and oh. and like the size of Texas, like instead of saying kilometers, right, they were like going to say like how many, I'm like Guys, let's at least have a little effort, please, like to try and make this even remotely close to what is actually true. Because, yeah, they would never like the little gauge, like every time they do the shot to a gauge on the spacecraft, it's like 25,000 miles per hour. I just like was laughing my ass off, dude. I'm like, this is hilarious, dude. Chris Nolan was watching this freaking out. He's like, I'm going to get it right in Interstellar. I swear to God, I'm going to get it right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, But to answer your question, I would say more possible these days with like the advances in artificial intelligence and like self-driving rockets basically that can land on barges in the middle of the ocean so i would say nowadays it's probably a lot more possible but again would you want to do that and like because nasa is all about risk assessment they have like so many different considerations and what they classify and, and quantify as risk and all of the things that you can control like they they definitely take like the the first like they basically go back to first principles and they would essentially never do something like that because it would just be a huge risk right like there's so many things that could go wrong um and it's part of like the same logic of why like planes i'm not sure if you guys remember but like in the top gun scene where there there's two jets and one gets too close and he gets like tied up in his jet wash or whatever like all of that uh, kind of stuff. It's just like too risky mm-hmm. to have two massive rocket, like exploding bombs essentially is what a rocket is 
that close to each other. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think it's possible these days to do it, but I don't think it, it would ever happen. And I'm pretty sure it has never happened. I get the visually, like it looks cool. And there's a lot of things that just like, and, and it's fine. Like this movie doesn't need to be interstellar. It doesn't need to be so concerned with the science. <laughs> it doesn't, you know, it'd be cooler if it was a little bit more like, interstellar. <laughs> but, um, but it's not concerned with it. It's, it's concerned with how it visually looks. And you can tell in the moment that, Billy Bob Thornton, he's like, all right, guys, like, I'm just going to sh- walk you through this. Like, don't laugh. It's not to scale. Okay. <laughs> and he pulls up these like huge fucking like spaceships. Oh, and I was I like, it. oh my God, this is exactly like to your point too, Brandon earlier. It's just like, okay, all right, I'm going to grab my little spaceships and just, <laughs> okay. And he's just like in the writer's <laughs> guys so we're gonna blast off from earth and we're gonna land on the comet mirror and then we're gonna blow it up okay michael okay how much is it gonna cost jerry Bruckheimer sitting there's like oh, okay michael yeah you did the rock it was cool and all uh let's <laughs> you know it's is nick cage coming back on this one okay okay we're not doing nick cage again okay thank god we that was that was a little too too crazy having those two together but <laughs> that was that scene was very reminiscent of uh donald glover in the martian with oh, the stapler, yeah, where he does the, yeah. stand, the stapler thing, because uh-huh. because that's another slingshot maneuver. I guess that's a really like must be a really strong go to. Well, I was gonna say <laughs> I was gonna bring up yeah the slingshot. I was gonna bring up like the the closest real world example to two spacecraft being launched uh, in real world is Voyager one and two, which were like the satellites that were meant to basically uh, give us our first look at all the planets in our solar system. Uh, well, not all of them, but all the outer planets of our solar system. And yeah. those were launched months apart, like months, like eight, eight or nine months apart. Right. But again, yeah. that's more because of like um, the position of the planets and these slingshot maneuvers, which again is why I'm like two shuttles at the same time. Like I get, I get why, cause like to, to make the same travel and like to get there at the same time, that's like the only way, like it would ever be possible. But again, oh, I don't think they would ever do excellent that. Point. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't think they would actually ever be able to do something like that. Like, I feel like they would have to basically launch a spacecraft that could, while in space, like transform into two things, and then they would go. That's a you cool, know? That's, a, they, that's a cool idea. Why did they need the fuel in the first place? I mean, I. Yeah, because, right, like, the Apollo missions made it to the moon on <laughs> one fucking tank of gas. You would think that. Well, they have to slingshot the shot around them. You would think we back. could still I, do I, it. It's not using more. The reason they're doing that, it's not they're using more fuel. It's that they're using the moon's gravitational pull, mm-hmm. pull right. to, like, speed them along. Mm-hmm. So, like, well, why- it's actually it's actually technically called a gravity assist. So. Okay. It's I, <laughs> I I could validate I could validate that it would maybe if they because the maneuver that they do like if we're actually really gonna like break this down like the maneuver that they do the yeah, slingshot yeah. maneuver again is a gravity assist so while maintaining some sort of speed and accelerating in that speed they're also using the gravity of the moon relative to the earth to basically bring themselves around to even go faster to like get basically to get to the thing as fast mm. as possible. Um, Visually, so for that you would that need fuel. Sequence, oh my god, was yeah, was but so the, funny to me. Where everybody they're whipping around the moon, and everybody's just like, yeah, <laughs> and it's just cutting really fast. Everybody, and they're like, 
But see, and that's why, like, in the Apollo missions, I they I don't think they burned any fuel during that. I think it was just literally like a, a, a slingshot. It was like there are some there are some maneuvering to make sure that you're on your trajectory, right? But you're not, like, doing a full burn. Because, like, in space, especially, like, right now, like, when you do burns, like, these maneuvers in space, it's really just to get your position. Like, the International Space Station does burns every so often to bring itself back out into orbit because basically gravity is always a thing and it's constantly, the earth is constantly dragging stuff to it. Right. Um, but like, so in that case, yeah. The energy output gives you a greater result in space because of the vacuum. So like how my understanding is, is that a majority of fuel in all of our space travel is really just to get out of our atmosphere. Right. And then after that, it's like, you're, yeah, you're pretty chill. Yeah, you're yeah, pretty chill. Like it's a lot less fuel and energy needed because you're outside of that. So I, I agree. I think that whole part of the movie again was just like Michael Bay being like, yeah. and then they're gonna go refuel, and it's gonna be like this crazy thing. Like all this stuff is gonna go wrong, and they're gonna have to like get out of there. But I, I in all honesty, I don't think they needed it because again, the Apollo missions back in like the seventies were able to get to the moon and back. Uh, on one tank. Well, they the picked up night. an extra cosmonaut. Too, I, was gonna, I, I was going to, I was going to say, so got, the reason they that they went there. Yeah. They yeah. got, uh, Peter Strohmeyer who, man, that guy has just been playing Russian people his entire career. <laughs> he's <laughs> such a great boy, character. He's, actor, man. He's yeah. He's always just like, Oh, great. it's that guy. Oh, I know. If, if you ever need job. a Russian in your movie, man, he's the guy you, you call up get in the movie. <laughs> Yeah, Absolutely. you got you got him, and I mean, I I wanted to bring up William Fitchner's hanging around here too. He's the one that's kind of training, uh, training the crew, and then he's kind of like heading the whole mission going out there. I love him, and he's in he's in quite a few, I think, Michael Bay movies too. Um, but there's something about him that just you can you can fit him in anywhere. He could have been part of the crew, but he can also be a leader, or he can be like a really good like secondhand man, like Will Patton or something. It's like it's good to have that guy around. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. But yeah, I, mean, I don't know if there's anything else to say about that uh, fueling, fueling thing. It's just kind of like, it, it's just an extra like excuse for some, for some action that happens. Yeah. happens very quickly and they pick up Lev and then it kind of, I don't know, maybe foreshadowing to uh, the, what's the disastrous, what's going to happen to what is it? The independence or freedom the one that uh, I believe independence, the one that's uh, Ben yeah. Affleck is on. Um, and also when they, shoot out of the atmosphere one of the pilots what does he say oh fuck he's like houston this is a fuck this is a cool ass ride or whatever he's just like oh, houston, oh yeah. this is an awesome time i'm having yeah yeah it's just stuff like that that's just like oh man like uh like just just people acting like very casual in a very like what's supposed to be like a what should be like a formal setting and i think that's michael bay's whole shtick of a, a lot of times mm. it's like there will be Oh, whatever, whatever, like law, it could be like law enforcement. It could be, it could be the other side. It could be robbers. It could, it could be someone, um, who's, who's in a professional sort of setting, but then they, he dresses down their, their verb verbiage and, and, and how they speak and to each other. And that kind of like juxtaposition is kind of his bread and butter as, as far as humor goes. But then that does not always a good joke make because it's not even a joke sometimes just kind of like, Oh, yeah. these are just kind of like sarcastic sarcastic and negative kind of kind of people um but uh yeah. they're they do so yeah they do the feeling thing i was just yeah that whole like 
slingshot would they be that i mean they speed up that whole thing and i know i will keep bringing up interstellar as well because it that just reminded me of what is is that the wormhole sequence or the black hole sequence in interstellar where he's kind of dealing with all the g's and kind of like that's such a beautiful one of the most beautiful scenes um in the movie or just in cinema i don't know i love that movie but um like this one this one was just like and then her cheeks just going back and everything and then it just happens so quickly i i don't know mike like would anything like that happen during what do you call it a gravity pull like would the g's be gravity assist well again they were burning they were burning right right oh and they hit the nos before they jumped into the gravity (laughs) yeah but that that's why i think the g's because i uh, i forget how many it got to it was like eight Um, or nine in my no I think it's like 14. I saw like 14 and 15, oh, wow. okay. but I'm pretty sure we like die at that point too. Um, I was going to, yeah, for sure, man. So there's only there, like in NASA, you, you take up, I think like the test is like around, I think like the max you get is like around seven or eight G's. Yeah, um, sure. There's it's something like that. It, it might be a little bit more. I could be wrong, but and these are just yeah. thrillers. Yeah. But the proximity of everything is pretty accurate. Like everything would be kind of that quick, I would say. Cause again, we're really only going to the moon and back. Right. Um, and back in the Apollo times, I was just like a couple day, a couple days. I would right? just say, so, yeah, you mentioned earlier, like, and to dredge this up again, just because the movie doesn't give a fuck about like pay, like it, it's not about it realistically showing a progression of time. It's all about phonetically just getting from action to action. Billy Bob Thornton says in his uh, diet, like his little uh, example of what's going to happen, it's 60 hours between the space station and then the slingshot to the asteroid. The the movie doesn't doesn't show that passage of time whatsoever. There's not a moment that would be something, you know, uh, uh, I would give a note about is, you know, what if we just took a fucking breath and we just showed people hanging out on the spaceship between the, you know, the, so what are you going to do after this is all over? Yeah. yeah. What are you going to do after this is all over? Why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. What do you, what do you care about? What are your motives? Just giving some, you know, seemingly basic shit of like, and then also, these are really fun characters and, and great actors. Like, man, I would have killed for a scene where they're like around a table, just shooting the shit with each other, you know, getting into it because we don't even get that really. Uh, we get it, you know, periodically through the training montage of them getting uh, becoming astronauts. But like, we don't even get that at the uh, oil drilling. Like, it's so sporadic of like Bruce Willis will run into people as he is like hunting down uh, Ben Affleck. And so you get those like interjections of people, but there's never like a whole bunch of, I guess maybe the strip club, but even then it just like moves so quickly. And who at a strip club would come up to somebody and be like, you're hogging all the women. Like, I know, that's that's I such a weird thing yeah. to like get in a fight about. Like, and then he gives him cool. money and he's still pissed. I don't know. Even if you, and even if someone threw, me, out, threw me that much money and I don't know, I'd be like, oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> and right. I guess oh. I dude, to be honest, the only time I can think about where the movie actually kind of breathes is one of like the most 
like eye roll cringiest moments is the fucking animal cracker versus cookie debate that Ben Affleck has in his totally head while he's yeah. de- debating whether also to go north or south with his little yeah yeah animal and and what is what is his logic? It's like it's sweeter. Like you don't put cheese on the crack on the crack like this. Right, I don't put cheese on this. I, yeah. I just dug, and it was, I dug that argument. It just like I guess it didn't like fit in the movie you, like you and then when that moment actually kind of happens you're like oh this movie has been just going 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 this whole time so yeah maybe this sort of like it seemed like improv almost too or just ad lib by ben affleck just fucking around and maybe they had animal crackers on set or something and he's just and he's just having some fun but that seemed like out of place because <laughs> yeah. yeah it was just like this kind of sen- sentimental yeah. romantic moment rather than just like no i'm gonna fuck you in the turbine of an airplane while your dad comes in and catches us you know it's that i don't know that doesn't really come across as uh, as romantic when you're just making out with, with someone's back <laughs> yeah well and, and it's to michael bay and the writing of it because it's all like vanity shit like we already know that they're in love because we had met them and they're together and like live tyler essentially stands up to bruce willis and says like i really care about this person like you should treat him better and then that's kind of a uh, uh, undercurrent throughout the movie is, is that bruce willis has to like recognize that Ben Affleck is worthy of his daughter. And yeah. that's kind of, kind of a thing at play here. Dude, but your yeah, daughter's like, hot. Oh my God. That's such a disgusting scene. They're all just like, yeah, she's a fucking yeah, she smoke grew up, show. She grew up to, and then on the same turn, right after they fucking say that, they're like, we're her daddy dads too. <laughs> right. after yeah. They all agree that she's hot. They're like, yeah. And we're also her fathers. We raised her. Yeah. I, I just, it's the shit like that where i'm like man michael bay must just have terrible relationships with women <laughs> like and just, just tone have, deaf dude he's just a tone and, he just, and, he's a tone yeah, deaf person and it's just, yeah he just seems like a fucking frat boy writing a yeah movie. yeah like he doesn't understand women at all they're just objects of uh to be coveted by men and then any conversation about her worth because that's something i was reading in a to just until you're married to them and then you name a meteor after them because you hate them so fucking much oh yeah dude dude it's one or the other it's one or the other and you can't because you can't be fucking friends am i right right i wrote that in my notes too as i'm like man this guy would be such a like i'm pro-wife like this guy's an asshole yeah (laughs) like yeah she comes in when we first uh, meet the stargazer or whatever and she's like what the fuck like why are you still up here you know or whatever and, and then he's just barking orders he bark, barks orders at her and then there is no she doesn't like come back at him with anything and then the next time we see him he says i want to name my the asteroid after my wife because she's a cold-hearted bitch or something to that effect like, no a soul-sucking bitch from which there is no escape is the <laughs> thank you mike <laughs> Thank you so much for having that on, on deck. Uh, yeah, like she didn't seem like that at all. And it just, yeah, it's again, this, that's the, that is where my grievances and all of my, a lot, not all, but a lot of my negative, like, or deductions of points are going to be is like, man, like, what, what was, like, that was pointless. That wasn't even funny. Yeah. I mean, man, I guess some, Older men are like, yeah, my wife is a soul sucking bitch too, and enjoyed that. But it's like, that's so 
like uh, one note. It's got your blinders on. You're shallow. It's shallow. That's how, it's. Shallow. I like James's description. Tone deaf. Like he he yeah. can't. He is not a guy that I think would be able to read a room. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> or he just makes like whatever room he's in. It's it's his room now, sort of thing. Yeah, I, that's yeah, what yeah, yeah. it's mine. That's what totally. It's always going to be a Michael Bay room if he walks into it. I yeah. I was even looking at pictures of Michael Bay, and there's some great pictures of him looking like a supreme douchebag, <laughs> <laughs> just like a like grade A a hole. He's just got like these bomber jackets. He's got this like long hair. He looks like a guy who went to USC, understands how to put a camera places has connections with people who have money and then is just so egotistical that he's like i'm gonna drive my vision forward and then you better get in line or else and some people will be like well i love his passion and then they'll give him money and it just facilitates this ego of just giving in to michael bay or whatever and it's just it's he seems adept at like giving a producer what they were i'm sure but yeah and that's why bruckheimer and the and the and the companionship between those two have been successful and why they've continued to do movies together because it seems like they enact a vision together and it seems to be like a, a similar sort of uh sentimentality that they kind of have towards yeah whatever it be maybe women or uh or just between different like ages, you know, I remember just at a time at this time too, I would watch like Adam Sandler movies and stuff. And a lot of it, the humor would be about making fun of people a bit more Whether like, Oh, it's old people. Like let's either make an old person do something you wouldn't expect or beat up an old person or something. And like an Adam beat Sandler. up an old person. Yeah. And Adam, Adam Sandler and that, did that all the time. And just like that kind of, <laughs> that kind of humor and stuff was just like, that's kind of how things were at this time too. So those, those things you could just kind of sure. like, you could come up with and It seemed like certain things were just come up with on the day uh, in like the sort of filmmaking and everything that he does too is yeah. Just uh, those sort of jokes that you would come up with. And together and the types of jokes that they seem to come up with together were the ones that would remind me of being, yeah, in a fucking dude's locker room or something like that. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Frat house or whatever, whatever it may may be. Um, And even seeing some of the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. I I don't know. It just, you have all those guys, guys together. It's like, it's just a big, big crew of, uh, of actors. And and I'm sure if you're going to be a director, you got to be full of yourself to, to some extent. Um, you know, it's, 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 that's gotta be the case, but I I would just say, okay. And that's getting into what this movie is and where it fits in culture, because there's obviously directors that are like, their mission is to tell a story about human nature and get to the like really ethos of culture and what it means to be a human. And this movie has on display so much of an ethos of like uh, uh, like fu- you know i just want to like fuck it i just want to do it and just kind of that cocaine head attitude about it of like i don't care about what anybody else thinks i'm gonna just do it hmm. and that's it's rewarded in a blockbuster because it a blockbuster appeals to the broadest group of people. And I think if you want to just make a spectacle, which is a really vain thing to do, which is why it's so interesting and cool to hear that like Steven Spielberg isn't that because he makes such large movies that are really like 
accessible to everybody, but it doesn't at it, it definitely at sometimes for sure, but not always seems like it's just because he wants to like do it or he just has the power to do it. So he's gonna do it. And this just has so much of that energy. Like I'm going to, you know, yeah, fuck everybody else. I'm going to do this. And then people getting on board with that confidence. It just seems like such a confidence play to me to make a movie like this. And sometimes to make blockbusters where it really just takes an egotistical, like self-centered visionary to make a movie like this because yeah it's it is gregarious would be a way i would describe this it is so self-indulgent it's so gregarious it's like if we can blow it up then we're gonna blow it up if we're gonna you know if i want to say all the coolest lines everybody's a fucking you know a superstar whatever which is all so much of the voice of that you know coming from the director coming from the writers and jj abrams too mm-hmm. like i see yeah. i see that shit in his movies as well oh absolutely like, you know he just he is like next generation spielberg and sometimes it just really i obviously jj abrams I, is more successful than michael bay because there is a level of heart but at times i think the heart isn't what sells it it's he understands nerd culture now and that's what makes him successful and like it's it's weird where yeah i i'm not a huge jj abrams fan i'm not a really a huge michael bay fan but i understand people wanting to go to the movies to be entertained and this is definitely a lot of entertainment and, and michael bay is very successful for for what it's worth maybe I mean, you know maybe I don't, sure. know what, I don't know what his run is like now if he's going to do another five transformers or something like that but i think with <laughs> with that success of or the re, part of the reason i think in my mind of his success is that he has a trademarked way of making a movie and yeah as a producer and you're in you and you have this property especially a, a property that's maybe well known in pop culture like something like uh yeah i guess transformers is, is what i can think of those transformers um, is, you know, it's like we can get this guy and we can put that Michael Bay sheen all over it and we can, and we can just make it a Michael Bay production and you know what you're going to kind of get and you know, he's going to get it done and you can give him, give him, give him enough money and you can see the money that will like, he'll put it on the screen. And as a product, it's, it has been relatively successful for him as products, but man, like I hate, I sound like I'm my own ass when I talk about it, but it's just like, I, I I stretch and I reach to find some of the artistic merit in this movie, man. And it, I know I sound like pretentious when I say that and I try not to, but it's like, he knows how to shoot a camera and everything. And it's like, I know, and I know he has artistic bones in his body and stuff, but he just seems way more about like, get the shit done. And, mm-hmm. uh, his, he's not bound by any sort of limitations to your point too, Brandon. It's like, I'm just going to fucking do it. And some of my favorite movies I think are uh tempered in their limitations and not like fuck it let's do everything and do it like 10 times over and like I don't know bigger better whatever um but also just kind of like the there's not a like a a nurturing care to some of it it seems a little bit more like yeah fuck it I'm just gonna shoot everything and I'm just gonna come up with some stuff on the day but it's in a very mean-spirited way I I don't know I think we're I'm circling a lot around the attitude and, and tone of it all, which I've already uh, been repetitious about. Um, but you know, this, this last portion of the movie, if I can move on, um, yeah. you know, wasn't, I was okay with like, 
I would have been okay if it was like a half hour. I don't understand why they needed to, to like stretch this whole being on the meteor scene for like an hour, dude. And so well, much dude, shit yeah. goes right and wrong and right and wrong. Even to the point where Steve Buscemi's like, we're, we're going, we're leaving. What the fuck are we doing anymore? And I felt the same way. And I actually kind of laughed because he was just like, what's going on? Are we, are we fucking leaving or not? I'm like, I know. Are we going to go? Like, is the nuclear warhead going to work or not? God damn. You keep fucking like wanting it to fix it. And then it breaks. And then you want to break it. Do you want to fix it? Oh my God. Um, and then that, I all think the that, rover shit. Yeah. Space I think that goes too long. I think, I, yeah. And I think that's where we definitely agree. I personally think they could have made the beginning shorter. It sounds like you're saying that they could have made the second half of the movie shorter, but I think the overall thing we can all agree on is they no, just the need to act. pick the lane. It's they the just, third act make, making it shorter is what that's James my is talking point, about. Like, I mean, you the, can the, have the, the, yeah. the third act is like the time that they get on the asteroid to the fourth act starts when we really start to plant the shit. Oh, okay. Like, there's like a we're getting set up. There's also the whole Ben Affleck and then like Owen Wilson dying. Wait, I like don't know this act analogy. Is it oh in movies are there always four acts? It's always four acts. Uh, typically three. And I, I mean I could see Brandon throwing that fourth on there because that's how it fucking feels, especially when it's like you think it's like just gonna be the meteor thing, but there's yeah, there's almost the reunion of Ben Affleck and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Bruce Willis yeah, that's in, into a whole, act in my mind. Yeah, yeah. I, I could totally understand that thinking, but yeah, See, that's, a typical, I think we're all three, saying typical the same three thing. act structure. It's usually right, three act. Yeah, but, so yeah, an, ex, an, an extremely long third act, or yeah, tack another one on there. That I just I pa- I remember pausing it when they landed on the meteor, and it was an hour left. I was like, damn, like, yep, yeah, like we could have had like. I mean, there's some character scenes, I guess, in there too, but it's mostly just like screaming and yelling and like more of yeah. them for an hour of like freaking out. And, you know, if that's what. If and that's they didn't even hit the right landing zone. They missed it. Like. Yeah. What the hell's up with that? Like they did. They missed the landing zone, but they're like, whatever, we're going to drill here anyway, even though it's like apparently a concentrated area of iron, like which is going to be extremely hard to drill. Did through, they actually drill in that area? Well, the one rover, like, I forget which one crashes, but they have to make a huge journey to get to them. But, like, the one that didn't crash, they just overshot the landing, and Steve Buscemi was like, 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 asshole over here landed us 26 miles. Miles, again, by the way. Never. I guess it's (laughs) okay, because Steve Buscemi is saying it, but whatever. It's like, Like, okay, let me explain. If you're driving out of Dallas... (laughs) (laughs) And you got somebody... You got somebody's skull on your head because I'm now in Con Air, but everything everything is a reference to Texas in this movie, apparently. <laughs> Let me put it in terms yeah. you can understand. I cross what did he say in Con Air? He's like, I crossed three uh, state borders with a person's head on. I was wearing oh, a person's yeah. head as a hat. <laughs> classic classic Bushami. <laughs> Dude. But yeah, it, it, I just, I don't know. I think. Um, the whole yeah they just dragged that whole part out i think quite quite long because again like i don't know i i think the beginning of the movie could have been shorter it could have been much sure. like they get to space much sooner um and then and then yeah they they basically cuz i was actually i think when they get on the asteroid and there is all these problems um i enjoy that part like i i actually like that i think that's where a lot of like the the fun is and like where i can like really get invested in the movie and i also think it's pretty realistic like when they when people go to space like stuff is going wrong all the time i think like 
the media kind of gives us this image of like, oh, we do this all the time. We can go up there. Right. But they don't really like when you hear like astronauts accounts of stuff, they're like, dude, yeah. One time there was like a fire on the space station. We were like 60 seconds away from like dying. Um, there's kind of, there's kind of like stuff like, like that. They're like it. If you spend long enough time in space, people, they found out that it flattens your eyeballs. Oh, I haven't heard and that, like, but oh. I do. And it like fucks with your vision. And it's like, damn, you just shit. You're like, we're not going to figure out until you spend enough time out there. And people just have to yeah. be the guinea pigs. <laughs> and, right. And you, and you just think like, oh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'd go out in space. Or just, you don't realize. Yeah, it's just a fucking desolate, desolate wasteland. It's it's uh, it's it's something that it could have gone. Yeah, I think you said it a second ago, pick a lane. It could have been more about the disaster on Earth yeah. and dealing with yep. all the fallout there and then final act going up to space, getting it done. Or it could have been set and set up all that stuff, which it kind of did in the first act of like, OK, we're starting with fucking meteors right off the bat and we got to get them exactly. up there. Kind of interstellar, I think, did a good job of that, of like first act is the setup and then second act. We're in fucking space like we're we're going. Um, yep. They find NASA pretty quickly in in that one. and uh matthew mcconaughey is off and all the foreshadowing and setup for the third act is done oh so well in that movie um regardless of <laughs> can we just movie. talk about interstellar i know, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and we're shifting gears <laughs> okay we're gonna do a little gravity pull into interstellar and then we're gonna shoot this back this week's into podcast armageddon. is interstellar <laughs> we started with armageddon but fuck that movie <laughs> <laughs> just do a little sideshow here for a second um yeah so i you know and my my reasoning too is like i saw the how much money and time they put into the the, yeah practical meteor set and i kind of appreciated it It looked pretty cool like seeing the behind scenes of it and i but then at the same time it's like you just don't appreciate as much because they spent so much fucking time there that it's not special anymore and but that also screams to me of just like, well, I spent all this money on this set i'm gonna fucking use it (laughs) and i'm gonna use it as long as i can and we're gonna fucking have like Ah, so many different rises and falls of, of that moment. And there is a lot of that. There is a lot of that, but I, I think that's just where I subscribe to more. That's where like my joy from the movie comes cool. okay. is the stuff on earth and like the, the training, it was like fun and whatever, but it wasn't like the part that actually got me to like the movie, you know? Cause like I do like, I, I do like this movie. Um, it's, I feel like I kind of have to, but like at the same time, no, you watching it again. Well, dude, no, because I remember being like ten years old and seven, be like, dude, this yeah. movie is cool. Once I was like finally allowed to see it, I'm like, this is so cool. But seeing it now, I'm like, dude, they really didn't give a shit about anything in this movie. And like all the stuff we talked about with like how they portray scientists and astronauts and like treating women and all of that stuff. I'm like, wait, yeah, this is kind of like there's a lot of stuff here that I didn't know about when I was ten years old that I'm now kind of like, dude, these guys just kind of seem lazy or just like. Uh, negligent. That's a better word. Like just negligent. But I, I, I had that same sort of thought process and I still do even talking about it now where it's just like, do I like this movie? Like, I feel like it's entertaining, but do I like it? And I'm such, I've been trying to figure it out since I started watching it and everything. And of like, it is, it is still so watchable. This is such a, such a watchable movie, especially in in that mood to watch like a, very very action-packed thing but it is also two and a half hours and yeah like an hour of that's on the on the meteor and then yeah you get a lot of montages and like music video montage sort of Mm -hmm. elements um but what so what so what are all the predicaments that take place on this asteroid it starts with they try to drill in the the bit gets fucked up and 
Yeah. They fuck up the tranny and then you get the ben transmission. Affleck. Ben Affleck is jumping in the Rover with Lev and uh, what's his name? Bear. Bear. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Bear. Cause him. Owen Wilson um, drops and he, they have a Gatling gun on the moon Rover. They shoot through the fucking wall. Cause there's a gun on the, on the Rover. Why not? They do a yeah. pretty sweet jump uh, across uh, the grand Canyon of the, asteroid yeah (laughs) yeah and uh that was interesting it's hard to know where you are in space and time and everything in some of those moments because it's just like this thing hurtling through dark space and you're like oh we're going too high and it's like i can't even tell if you guys weren't talking about i can tell exactly what was what was happening but yeah they come Mm. and save the day and then also the president tries to set off the bomb without their permission william fitchner has a gun uh they they have to defuse it eventually after Bill, Bruce Willis and Will Patton have a fight with with uh, William Fitchner and his buddy, um, yeah, yeah, and it's like back and forth, back and forth. Uh, but we get to like the the I think like a very like popular, well known part of this movie is Bruce Willis sacrificing himself by uh, placing the bomb in the hole, and he has that detonating. And detonate because someone needs to detonate it because it's like on the fritz again, you know, those nuclear bombs. And um, he has this moment with Liv Tyler, which I thought was like one of the best moments of the movie, too, of like all the screens of Bruce Willis and him like speaking directly to Liv Tyler. I thought that was like, yeah, a well done uh, emotional moment that that worked for me. And I thought uh, Bruce Willis like can deliver like a nice little little speech. Oh, yeah. Yeah. it and worked Liv, for me Liv, as well. Liv Tyler's reaction yeah. was, was, I was tearing uh, up a little bit. Yeah. Cause the idea of not being able, like as a father, not being able to see like your uh, daughter get married, have children and not be part of their life is uh, such a sad thing. And I, he tones down a little bit of the arrogance. Cause man, Bruce Willis through this whole thing is quite the fucking pill. <laughs> <laughs> he is there everybody just understands that he knows everything and should get in line and people who don't need to check themselves before <laughs> they wreck themselves and there's been a whole fucking movie of that and see i think that's why i would i would disagree with you there though brandon because yeah. like what 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 it is is like now we're saying that oh he has a turnaround at the end where he's like now nah, but I think he's still cynical as fuck in that moment. Cause like, again, I agree with you. Like during that whole oh, movie, during that whole yeah. movie, he's a pill. He's a total pill. He's like hard to deal with. And I'm like, in reality, people don't change that fast. Right. So I, in my mind, he was like, look, everything he said about live was authentic. But in my mind, he was just like, I fucking hate people. So like, <laughs> I just want to be done with this. I, I like fuck the rest of the, I don't want to come back and get all these people like coming to me because like, I can't talk to people. I'd be like a hero. Everyone's going to be like asking me questions and I don't want to deal with people. Like, I feel like that's kind of why he volunteered. Like, he's just like, I'm done. Like, I don't want to go back and deal with the aftermath here. Like race. I love you. Like you're my daughter. That stuff was all authentic, but like they, they kind of make it seem like, Oh, he had a change of heart. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't think he had a change of heart. I think he was just like, fuck the, fuck the aftermath of all of this. Like, I'm I'm done. Like I'm out. <laughs> I just took it as like I've lived my life. This dude 
drew the short straw. How would they found straws so quickly on the space shuttle? I do not know. It's like, we're drawing straws. He's like, I got them right here. Yeah. <laughs> These are the emergency decision straws that we talked about. <laughs> <laughs> the old different colors too. Um, why do we have different color straws? I don't know. Um, but I was just like, oh, I've lived my life. If Ben Affleck hadn't drawn the straw, I feel like he might not have sacrificed himself. Like, if it was Steve, it was like, okay, Steve Buscemi is suicidal at that point. If they'd just let Steve Buscemi do it and trusted him to do it, they would have been like, Bruce Willis, like, nah, fuck it. I want it. I really <laughs> it was like, you know, I thought it was, it was just that, like, I've lived my life. This dude is like, like he said, he's like a son to me. And uh, he tells him to take care of her. He tells her to take care of him both, like, separately. I thought that was really sweet. Yeah, um, yeah, but I I really like Mike's assessment of that. He's just like I actually he's love. Like, he's like fuck and this. Now, like I don't want to deal with total. this. I don't want to go back. Like why would I? My reading of it, which is now similar, and thank you, Mike, for explaining that because <laughs> I did get an energy outside of like the like uh, you know this is my duty. Is that there was an energy about him in his performance, obviously facilitating leading up to that of like, no one else could do this, but me. And it was arrogant. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. You know, not totally what you're saying, but it like is kind of like adjacent to what you're saying is that kind of fuck everybody else for not <laughs> getting shit. And so since you guys don't get it, I'm going to do it. And that is, yeah, oh, that is such a great reading of it because I did get that too, where he just was so controlling to the very end, which is so much of it. Uh, so uh, like maybe he would have been like, I don't trust Steve Buscemi to do it properly. <laughs> so right. Yeah, exactly. I got, I got, with the Steve Buscemi, I got the don't trust him immediately. Yeah. I, the interesting thing for me was is that that feeling towards Ben Affleck. Of mm. him being like, I don't even trust Ben Affleck to do this. <laughs> That's such so a I have, <laughs> have to do this because no one else is capable of doing this but me. I love and that. it's so self-centered. Uh God, it, this, and that's this what I'm whole, saying is like, that's his thought of like people. Like that's his of course. He's like people yeah, are incapable that. of doing things like I love that I because that's so to Michael Bay. Like that's kind of what we've been harping on now at this yeah. point. It seems like this whole entire podcast is like the cynicism and self-centeredness of Michael Bay is really on display in his movies. And it's clearly on display here. And his voice comes out pretty clearly in Bruce Willis. And mm -hmm. the great thing is, is that Bruce Willis is that person as well. So it just works yeah. so incredibly well. So that's why just, you know, like all of the characters is if anything, I would just say this was well cast. Was it well directed? Yeah. <laughs> You know, if you're into that sort of thing, if you're into that sort if of thing, it's into that it's like sort of thing. he is yeah. successful on making he, on making his brand and selling that brand and and reproducing it over and over again. I got a kitty that's meowing over here if you hear it, but uh, he he, he will yeah. If you're into that, like go for it. Like you, you I feel yeah. like you know what you're gonna get. He's I don't think he's gonna change. Like he's still making like movies with boomer humor today that have the same sort of sentimentality towards like all like women and, 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 and people and, and situations. So it's like, yeah, if you're into that, into that thing, I saw six underground and was like blown away that movies were still being made like this. I was like, wow, <laughs> he's, people still totally. giving them like, and that, that's a very expensive movie too. And it shows on the yeah. screen too. It's, and there's like famous people and everything is, it's just like, there's certain things happening. I'm like, wow, 
they're still making movies like this. Like they're they're still doing it. Like it, it was it was kind of blew my mind oh. a bit. Um, but that's yeah, that's the end, baby. I mean, do do you guys? It's it's got to be uh, the. I was thinking of my favorite eros. It's got to be like the 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 romantic song. I don't want to close my eyes, but I fucking love sweet emotion. I, I don't know. There's something about sweet emotion. Sure. That's my favorite song. My, That's my, my favorite, favorite eros yeah. song of Same, all time. Dude. So I, I knew this about both <laughs> of you guys. You, I knew you guys were both sweet emotion heads. Because I, <laughs> yeah. I know that James would include it in like whenever school ended, like that type of time. <laughs> And then and some sublime uh, or something like that. Yeah. So sublime. No, for sure. Well, cause you would always, you told me you would always play doing time, so, right? When someone, right when last day of summer, I'd be like, summertime yeah. and the living's easy. It's easy. Yeah. <laughs> Every but then Mike easy. too, as well. Cause like, yeah, I, Mike's sensibility about things and not, uh, sorry, um, here, here we go, Mike, I'm going to talk about your sensibilities. But like, <laughs> uh, yeah, like Aerosmith, I, I Mike really appreciates like good classic rock, and I think this that song is solid classic rock. It is it has a lot of grandeur to it. They don't really make songs like this anymore, honestly. Like, there's not a you know yeah. a, fu- a fucking big rock ballad about love and an emotion really anymore. Like the closest thing you will get to that is I've been listening to uh, the weekend. Like that's kind of the closest thing you'll get to like a really big song, kind of of a way more cynical like a man the weekend and michael bayer <laughs> have a lot of comments. yeah yeah you have maybe like some <laughs> arena rock maybe michael bay is pumping yeah. some like imagine dragons in his movies now or some shit like it's yeah that's yeah. what I, I was gonna say yeah imagine dragons yeah sure. oh my goodness my cat just knocked over something on my desk it's it's a it's a calamity it's all good though um <laughs> geez all right <laughs> she's she's losing her mind um there's the the wedding scene, which I think is an emotional way to to close out the movie with the with the credits, um, and uh, yeah, they had to end it somehow. Like they had to, because like I mean, they they take care of the asteroid, they uh, they they we say goodbye to Bruce Willis, right? But you can't really like end on on that note because it went like, yeah, that is bittersweet. That would be a bittersweet ending, right? It's like yeah we saved the earth, but Bruce Wells is dead. So you kind of had to finish it off. It I was think. a good ending. I thought it was a good yeah, ending. Yeah. I, yeah like yeah. With, with yeah. the song and everything, like it was very oh. like, just fit, fit the meaning. Super yeah. big I think, and uh, yeah, celebratory. Again, and, a lot yeah. of the movie was really well put together. I think it's just the directing, I think is just the terrible part. I even think the writing is fine. Um, and the acting I think is the best thing about it, honestly. Uh, yeah. But yeah, but the directing part is, is not, uh, yeah, it, it could have been way better. <laughs> have you, well, have you guys uh, seen deep, deep impact? Is that one any better? Yeah. Oh God, I haven't seen that in forever. I don't know. I, I've seen it and I would say it's comparable, although I think I do like it better, but I do think it's like cheesier, like way cheesier. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's interesting how, yeah, that those came out within like a month or so of each other within the, within the, the same year. And I just remember seeing those posters and, uh, and seeing more disaster movies like day after tomorrow and shit like that. After yeah. Maybe we've already kind of listed some others. Um, but we'll, we'll move on to, uh, some of these yeah. reviews here, uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. I'll just go ahead and remind everyone, everyone that it's a 38% from critics. 
73% from audience. Um, I'll go ahead and start with some uh, negative critic reviews. Yes. Um, we'll start with Joe Morgenstern from Wall Street Journal. How does Armageddon, a, mo- a movie obsessed with countdowns and countdown clocks, manage to redefine downward the standard for summer stupidity? Let me count the ways. Valid. That's a very, very critic uh, way to <laughs> way to, to describe that. Let me count the ways. I feel like that's such a critic way to, to, to start with something. Um, Jonathan Rosenbaum, Chicago reader. It's strictly a side issue whether mankind will survive colliding with an asteroid the size of Texas. The real question is whether Liv Tyler, who plays Bruce Willis's daughter, gets to keep her new boyfriend. Yeah, that's pretty, okay. much, that's pretty much what the movie's about. Yep. Um, we will move on to um, eh, why not? Uh, L.A. Weekly. Um, Manola Dargis. Uh, most of the time, Armageddon simply makes your head hurt. <laughs> um, Keith Phillips, AV Club. Bay directs Armageddon in a way that seems more concerned with constantly assaulting the senses than anything else, hoping perhaps that the quick yes. cuts and constant explosions will distract from his film's many flaws. I might be on Keith yeah. Phipps' uh, side out of all these. Um, I'll do, let's do like two more, maybe three. Uh, Stephen Hunter, Washington Post. So predictable it could have been written by a chimp who's watched too much TV. The huge movie is as dumb as it is loud and it's way too loud. Watching it is like putting your head in a tin wash bucket while weightlifters whack it with golf clubs. <laughs> Jesus. Put him in a body bag. Good lord. Dude, this guy was having a blast. He's like, woohoo. His, his like keyboard was on fire after that day. Oh my God. He was like a Stephen <laughs> oh Hunter. Oh my God. Uh, Peter Rainier. No, and I'm, I'm going to do, uh, I'll do one more t- from uh, Todd McCarthy variety. Bruce Willis saves the world but can't save Armageddon. Oh, yeah. Oof. Oh, maybe I'll do this one more. Andrew Saras, Observer. I must confess that at times I found myself rooting for the meteor to hit the earth and put us all out of our misery. Ooh, that's what I'm, that's what I come to the critics for. That's the critics. Yeah, that is such a critic take. Um, Should I do some audience reviews, Brandon, or did you have any that, that you wanted to share? After that, no, no. Uh, after that, that person just like farted and just sniffed the oh, shit out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Just really ripped yeah. in and just like got it up in there. <laughs> they had to hey, or, move or their, or head, the head from their own ass wine before, yeah. and, he, and he's doing the Yelp reviews. He's just like, <laughs> oh, I mean, it's I the only way he can simulate being up his own ass, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's the closest he can get. <laughs> um. Oh, I was, yeah. Okay. So I'll, I'll do this one, which I, I didn't mention in the, uh, in our take out on it at all, but Langley BC guy gives, gives it a five star on, uh, Amazon, which by, on, on, by the way, on Amazon, this is a five, 4.8 out of five average movie with 12,000 reviews. 86% of them are five stars out of the 12,677. Wow. So people fucking love this love movie. This movie. People fucking love this movie. Um, and uh, Langley BC guy uh, reviewed it and it's titled. It just, it makes me a little concerned about society. Just a little bit. Like I get it. I totally get it, but it just makes me a little concerned where it's just like, you know what I want out of entertainment is to not be challenged. I just want to turn my brain off and just watch 
shitty people solve a problem that the, I know wait, they're going to There's a time and a place. It's it's watchable. I mean, yeah, it's it's watchable. Right. Do the reviews, are, is there a date range on the reviews, like in terms of the sample size, like what they consider? Is it like just... I pull from... Uh, this is okay. We can get into all the, how that's, how Rotten Tomatoes is structured from the critic side. They will pull reviews from, I think anytime, but most of them will be from when the movie came out. These, these are listed. Like a lot of them are June 6, 20, 2014. A lot of them are, which just means that's when it was posted by Rotten Tomatoes, yeah. I assume. Um, yeah. And then some of them will be listed 2008, 2007. So it's just like when they post the critics reviews and how they, which ones they choose to include and how they aggregate them and, who yeah how they decide uh what gets to be a critic on rotten tomatoes and as far as um whether they're rotten or fresh it's kind of an interesting scale because it'll be at the behest almost of the scale that the critic is using which they all use different scales some might be at a four or five or something and if they're like a 2.5 out of five most of the time i found is that they'll just put them in the rotten category and it's very binary like that where it's yes. just it yeah, rotten or fresh yeah. and there's really no like middle tomato, middle ground tomato, mid tomatoes where it's like, and yeah. I don't know, maybe they got a little bit more of a scale or something, but that binary nature like is the, the, the foundation of our podcast, kind of how binary this whole system is. And it is interesting how they break it down. Um, as far as reading audience reviews, uh, in our case, I find it much easier to look on Amazon because you can click on five stars on Amazon and it'll aggregate all of the five star reviews just like that on Rotten Tomatoes. You have to like scroll through, scroll through and, um, and find them all that way. But as far as the amount of audience reviews, there's 250,000 ratings on Rotten Tomatoes by the audience and 73% on there. So yeah, I mean, that's still very solid and people, people love this movie. The reason I brought it, the temporal component up was just strictly because, again, like with the critics review, I'm guessing that happened like near or very close to the time of the actual movie, whereas yeah. the critics re- or the uh, audience's reviews are basically like adults reflecting back on the time that they first saw Armageddon and then they just watched it again and they're like, oh, my God, I remember how great this movie was and how I felt about it. So there's that like temporal bias. You're so right. Whereas. Yeah, and there's and there's and I don't know how many people are out there, but I'm sure there's some people like that have a very different opinion watching it now than they did when they were younger. Like I'm, I'd probably fit that description as well. Maybe I don't write the reviews about it, but um, it yeah, it'd be interesting. I'm like, oh, I watch this all the time when I was younger, but I fucking hate it now. It's not for me or something. Like it could could be the case as well, where the critic doesn't get to update really their their review. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but the. This will, I don't know how this will make you feel, Brandon, if you're worried about uh, the state of movie, movie watchers. Um, This one is titled a surprising inclusion in the criterion collection. This is a, this is in the criterion collection, this movie. Um, If you guys did not know, Um, he goes on to say the criterion collection release of Armageddon was a surprise. I didn't think that they would offer a release of popcorn movies like this one. Having said that, the release of it shows a good deal of extra material not seen on previous previous releases. A few minutes of additional footage is woven into the film here, mostly when Mary visited his elderly father, played by Lawrence Tierney, I believe, and some additional footage with Harry and Dan Truman at the Johnson Space Center. Uh, There's some TV spots, trailers, interviews with some of the cast and crew. Looks like he's just kind of talking about um, the Criterion Collection DVD. Uh, the one problem is the aspect that. that is presented in, it doesn't fit my widescreen HDTV. 
That's uh. the only complaint I have, which isn't really enough to undermine it. This is worth picking up for any fan of the film. I just had to like highlight this is a part of the Criterion Collection. Um, and so there's a place within cinematic yeah. history for these kind of movies, you know, according to, you know, oh, the, sure. the people that yeah. decide what great movies are in Criterion Collection. Um, for sure. <clears throat> uh, I'll do a, I'll do a few more. Jim Ecoined, Ecoined. This movie is the king of disaster movies and one of Bruce Willis's best movies. Five stars. The idea that an asteroid could break away from the asteroid belt and head towards Earth is not new. The story starts fast and never stops until the end. The number of side stories about Bruce's oil drilling team keeps the film moving. The team is forced, or leave it to a group of astronauts who know, know nothing about deep drilling, uh, going on a mission to the largest asteroid to drill 780 feet into the asteroid, put a nuclear bomb into the hole, take off and remote detonate. Whoops, the remote detonation button won't work, so someone has to stay behind to manually detonate the bomb. Oh, God, <laughs> here, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> wow, a little, like, almost spoiled it, and then, like, pumped the brakes right at the end of, like, <laughs> not saying everything. Um, they got a synopsis person. <laughs> there's a few of them in here. Uh, this one is uh, Dr. Paul, a top 1,000 reviewer. Vine voice. What does Vine voice mean? I'm going to click on this. I need to find out what that means. Um, <laughs> while that's loading I'll, I'll go ahead and read the review great date night film for us okay i'll be honest i'd be fine giving armageddon a four-star rating but my wife loves it and made me promise i'd do five so there is your five hey it's a good movie a typical action film with an all-star lineup several years old now it also holds up with time i get a bit bored at times mainly the unending landing sequence and the for me a bit over the top ending but my wife loves it Together, we've watched it at least half a dozen times, and she's done even more. This is the unlikely, but aren't all action films better when unlikely story of a bunch of guys who work on an oil rig and their crusty leader, Willis, plus his really smart daughter heading to an asteroid to save us back here on Earth. Totally realistic. That's not the point. The point is a wild ride through space and the heroes save the day at the last minute. And of course, it pays off. Funny moments, tense moments, and a great ending with a touch of sadness. All the ingredients. So date night or rainy days or whatever. We love it. Hope you do too. Wow. And Dr. Paul, what are, what a, I get why he's a, a top, he or she is a top 1000 reviewer. Dr. Paul's wife sounds like a blast. Yeah. <laughs> she like, it's like, honey, you have to do five. You have to get a five. I, uh, this movie treats women pretty poorly. And for her to just. Like, she, oh, I know, right? It's She's so like, oh. fun. Yeah. Oh my God. I love this. I love this. Oh, I love, I will live Tyler and, and Ben Affleck at the end. Oh, it's nice. I, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's got yeah. that. I, yeah. They're, I they're the Jack and Rose of this movie. I would love to think that her, his wife is just really into Michael Clark Duncan, and that's why she watches it. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> it's like, do I get to see his ass? Yeah, I get to see his little, his little, his butt. little tushy, his little tushy. While he stinks himself. <laughs> I know what was like. He like the physical they were saying he was like fat or something. He's like, do I look fat? Like, I mean, he, he's like, was that the word? He's, no, they're saying they his cholesterol's oh, off the charts, oh, probably because the guy's like drinking fucking egg yolks. <laughs> like, for yeah. I mean, he is fat for an astronaut because the dude's probably like three hundred and something pounds, uh, almost entirely of muscle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that spacesuit. I don't know if they make that size yet. <laughs> no, no, they do not. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'll do, uh, I'll do one or two more, um, AC five stars, fun popcorn flick, full of action, comedy, and emotions. Not much to add as much as most other reviewers pretty much colored, covered everything. This appears to be a love it or hate it flick. 
Most haters complain that it's not scientifically accurate. Yes, there are many scientific inaccuracies in this film. However, this is a popcorn flick meant to entertain, not a documentary. Yeah. Damn it, dude. You guys didn't tell me this wasn't a documentary. Oh, I know. I got to start the podcast on. over. Shit. We got to start it. Um, the other we're supposed to be talking about movies and <laughs> fuck, we're talking about documents. I thought this was Carl Sagan. I don't know what the fuck we, we did. Um, Wait, this is an Apollo 13 podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the other common complaint is the hyperactive editing where most scenes last only seconds. Ooh, yes. I can see how this may turn some off, but it doesn't bother me and keeps the pace fast for this rather long movie. I love this movie because it's full of action, comedy, adventure, and gets very emotional at the end. Some of the visuals are truly spectacular and has one of the best original music scores of any film I've ever seen. The music really gets the emotions flowing. One of my favorite movies ever, hands down. Yeah. Uh, This will be be my last one. Uh, Hippie Chick, five stars, a favorite. Um, We need more Harry Stampers in this world. I love this whole cast. They were incredible from beginning to end. This movie has gotten unfavorable reviews from many, but... For many, but for me, it will always be one of my all-time favorites. I recommend this movie to a, to family, friends, and everyone who loves movies. Um, but yeah, I wow. I guess we kind of got hippie chick said that that we need more Bruce Willis's in the world. That seems wasn't he shooting golf balls at Greenpeace people? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Bruce Willis's character would have cared for hippie chick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that that matches. Um, but yeah, I guess we kind of got like a little a little flavor there of why people are disagreeing. Um, and I think that's been kind of a common theme. Even our, our last episode, Mike was uh tomorrow war. And I think that kind of had like a similar, yeah, uh, f- like style of reviews and style of polarization as this one does. Isn't I'm just now realizing too, is like, yeah, like a lot, there's a lot of big blockbuster movies out there that uh, please a wide audience, but then, when a critic is forced to sit there and think about it, like the nitty gritty of it, there's a lot of flaws that you can, that you can highlight. But when you're just trying to be entertained, you're just trying to chill on a lazy Sunday and, and watch a movie or something, you're not sitting there actively taking notes and trying to, trying to criticize something. And so I, uh, yeah, I think, you know, in an interesting way, tomorrow war and Armageddon have a similar sort of, uh, um, polarization. Yeah. I, I definitely agree with that. And I also think that like critics will get kind of a bad rap a lot of times because I think for like this particular movie, I probably am going to lean a lot closer to what a critic score would be. Same. Um, but again, like I also don't think like critics are there really just, I feel like to define like, okay, what should we expect as like a Academy award winner? Like they're really, they're, they're judging their criteria based on off that kind of like, stuff whereas audiences are just looking at it to just like go see a movie that they like right um so i think that's why you're always going to kind of see this theme in in the movies that you guys do but specifically for like sci-fi movies as well because there's always that glaring issue of like this would never happen right like this yeah. is so realistic. but then like that last comment you read from a from a audience member it was like doesn't bother me like whatever yeah it's probably a lot of inaccuracies here but you know it's cool and that's where i can kind of get on board it's like the stuff on the asteroid i'm like yeah this is cool like them flying through space this is really cool like all the technology that they use like that's that's really entertaining so so i i, I can get on board with it but again like as a kid i just 
remember being so like infatuated with space and this kind of stuff that I was just like, it's automatically cool. But now as an adult, right. Looking back at it, I can kind of have more sense of mind and be like, this is kind of degrading to women. This is kind of like, uh, just, uh, uh, a blockbuster that like a bunch of guys, like almost now what the rock is doing, right. Where he can just make whatever the hell he wants. Cause he has his own production company and, um, at people will go see it, but there's not really a whole lot of creative and artistic, uh, forethought for the movies. Um, and that's just like now, like intellectually as adults, I think we, we crave more of that. Um, you know, something it's not, like it's that. not a franchise, I guess. I mean, it's yeah. maybe that's a low bar, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. But I mean, it's not also not an eight twenty four film, right? Hey, 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 don't get hey. Us, don't get us started over here. Hey, oh, he's he's hey, no, he knows he knows we're about to sw- we're about to change this whole podcast into an eight twenty four podcast. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, wait a second. Uh, we both got to go into separate rooms and jerk off to eight twenty four movies real quick. Sorry. Uh, we already just, mentioned Minari. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that sums it up for me. Like that's my yeah. What's, what would you rate it if you oh, yeah, if, yeah, if you have any yeah. other, or if you have any other uh, anything yeah, else add? No, that was it. So yeah, I think I am ready to rate. Um, cool. Yeah, please. So, so out of one hundred percent, Mike, uh, this is the part of the podcast where we're going to give our like final summation and then just follow with just like Rotten Tomatoes out of one hundred percent. What would you give? I think I would honestly, I would probably give it like, uh, right around like a 60, a 60%, like a solid 60. So maybe actually a little bit closer to the audience. Um, but again, like, like yeah, you're like right in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just, I think it's more, yeah. And that's kind of where I want to be. Cause I can understand where the critics are coming from. Right. There's a lot of stuff in there, like a lot of flaws in the movie that we all pointed out, but also I, I think it's, again, it's just meant to entertain and, I personally, when I watch it, enjoy it. Like, I think it's, it, there's fun parts about it. I love the Aerosmith. Uh, it's a father daughter bonding thing, right? He gets to do music. She gets to act. Um, so yeah, there, there's a lot of fun stuff in there. So I, I'd I'm say like such a, a fucking idiot, dude. I just fucking realized that Liv Tyler is Steve Dine, Tyler's daughter and they're in, Oh my God. I'm so fucking stupid. You didn't know. I didn't, yeah, make, right? that, yeah. I didn't make that connection yeah. in my mind. Oh my God. I'm so dumb. I was just like, Oh yeah. Michael Bay d- directed Steve uh, Armaget- or Steve Tyler music videos, Aerosmith music videos. Oh, I'm so stupid. <laughs> All right. So uh, you say uh, a 60. Yep. Solid. Right at 60. Solid. Brandon, do you want to go next? Grosses me out. Cause it's like he directed a, Aerosmith uh music video and then he was like oh this girl should be in movies oh anyways she's great in it well you know um, all the father daughter stuff going on within this movie and then Liv Tyler's father is also singing on top of everything wow wow yeah. about her about he, her and, and yeah and he, he talks about writing the song about her because yeah it's really just it's yeah it's one of those songs about a man thinking about his kids growing older it's a very uh cats in the cradle situation if you will um yeah he even yeah. does the they even got the come together cover in this movie <laughs> <laughs> Little Aerosmith, like they like, no, we yeah. can't fork over the money for the Beatles version. It's maybe yeah. the Aerosmith version. Yeah. <laughs> uh Brand- I can go. Yeah, go for it, man. Yeah. yeah. So just like a lot of these movies, it's really tough at times to be too critical about it because 
I really do enjoy like entertainment <laughs> at a fundamental level. And this movie is incredibly entertaining. There's not any lulls in it. It just goes, goes, goes. And going to the movies to be thrilled is not something to balk at and not something to like be overly critical about at times. I just think about, you know, I've had so many discussions with, you know, I, I have, a you know, we're doing a movie podcast. Like I love getting into the weeds on movies, but throughout my life going to see movies with my father, he would always just, he wasn't one who got into the weeds. He would always just say like, was it entertaining? Did you have a good time doing it? You know? And I, I, at times I think it's just because he's like, I don't want you son to like miss out on the good time and the simplicity of things. Things can just be entertaining for entertainment's sake. And I recognize in this movie that, why people love it because it gives you it's so thrilling it's so exciting and i appreciate it on this rewatch so much more for that because man sometimes even with like i brought up minari like minari is a perfect movie but it is perfect because what it's setting out to do it achieves it but I would say like, it's almost like an iceberg where so much of its greatness too is what it made me think about and the work that I had to do to like, not work that I had to do because I enjoyed the fuck out of it, but like it, in, it encouraged me to think greater about things. And that's where I will make the distinction between like really great movies and like really f like fun and good movies. And there is no way in hell I'm giving this movie anything above a 75 because the writing of it sucks. <laughs> uh, there, the It is cynical, treats women poorly. It has no conception of how like the world would deal with a problem collectively. And it doesn't even care about people really coming together. All it really cares about is a guy who is so full of pride uh you know, making the decision, uh, the game time decision to save the world. Like, it's not even about really the collective us, you know, winning over anything. It's just really Bruce Willis being like, I'm going to fucking do this because, you know, I'm a man. Like, it, it, there's so little about anything really associated with society and impact and things like that. But yeah, I mean, God damn, it's thrilling. Um, I'm going to give this movie a 67%. Very nice. Very nice. Um, yeah, I for, for me, uh, I mentioned earlier was my dilemma from beginning this movie and, and watching it all the way through was, do I like this movie? And I, I was yeah. having such a hard time deciding if I liked it. Yeah. I, and then I decided I found it entertaining, but do I like it? Does finding something entertaining mean I like it? And I was having, I was having this, this strange dilemma this whole time of the movie of like, just going on this roller coaster ride of like, Oh, this is fun. Like, Oh, I'm just like, I'm checked. I'm checked out of the world. I'm, I'm 
signed on to this movie. I'm buckled in. I'm like, I'm paying attention. Like I, I know all the characters. I know everything that's going on. I like that. Like it just, it's not challenging me of like, yeah, like you said, Brandon, trying to think for myself of like, Ooh, what are people's motivations? What's, is there any turn of character that someone isn't who they say they are or something like that? It's like, no, everyone who is, who is who they say they are. Every situation is like emotion, emotionally direct to the audience about how you're supposed to feel uh, from the moment you're introduced to someone to the moment they they're either uh, die or, or complete their arc, you know, the whole time. And there is a comfort in that. There's this, there's this interesting comfort that I had watching the movie of like, I felt like taken care of while at the same time, I felt strangely like uncomfortably complicit with some of the things that Michael Bay was uh, portraying tone wise and, and with the characters and how, you know, he treats them and everything like that. Like we've, we've talked about kind of ad nauseum at this point, but, uh, it's, it's an entertaining movie, very watchable, still not sure how much, like, I really like it. I mean, I'm having such a, such a hard time. I was having such a hard time, like landing on my true, like quantitative. And I think I do this with every movie, like feelings about the the movie. I think like we've definitely expressed our feelings throughout this whole time we've been talking, but like to put a, quantity on it uh makes it makes it a bit tricky so before i do that i will finish with my score i'm just going to go through a couple of my notes <laughs> well, i thought you were looking at a calculator or something oh yeah like calculate oh damn uh ben affleck wears his hard hat backwards it looks extremely uncomfortable and unpractical i thought that was silly um let's see what oh it's pucker time I think was one of the lines when they were about to like take off or something. So I guess that means that's when your butt puckers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, ben Affleck singing, uh, leaving on a jet plane was really hard uh, to listen to. Um, yeah. One of the stations at the command post was called Capcom. And I just thought I was just thinking of video games at that point. Um, Houston, this is a kick-ass ride. That was the line. Yeah. Uh, I, I wrote that everyone in the movie is Mickey Rourke from Don't Look Up. Like every <laughs> every character is Mickey Rourke yeah. from that movie. <laughs> like every single one is all, they're just all Mickey Rourkes. <laughs> it's a different time. Yeah. Um, That's pretty accurate, actually. That's then, good. I uh, like that one. One of the other lines was, chew this iron bitch up, was when they were trying to get through the iron ferrite. And then oh, my yeah. favorite line of the movie uh, was to the effect of, the override has been overridden yeah. was my favorite. I'm going to give the movie a 51%. I think it's, I think it's like, I was like, so nice. I was like, so neutral. Like, I don't know right. which way to go. I'm going to go a bit up because it made me like watch it. I was Bring, like, no, that's down good. to watch it. And then like the, the last oh. hour I think was, they could have sliced a fucking half hour off that. And it would <laughs> the, the same fucking movie to me. Yeah, um, but I do appreciate the practical set of, of that whole last thing. I can see why they wanted to kind of bathe in that set a bit because it was pretty impressive. You know, they and, and the money was on the on the screen, and uh, the director, like for what it's worth, like knows what he's doing with his with his camera, and he knows how to make his uh, his brand. Um, so that was Armageddon. We uh, we fucking did it. Uh, this is the portion of the show where we figure out our next movie, figure out our next movie. What's it going to be? What's it going to be? We're going to have Mike figure it out with us. Um, Wait, but I, I just did the math real quick. So our average score was a 59.33%. That's perfect. Yeah, I think that tracks. Yeah. That tracks. Yeah. I like it. 
I like it. Also, I mean, uh, we will, we should put it on our Twitter, uh, our past guest, uh, Corey slash Blarge, uh, put together the real Blarge. Yes. You, you, you two are, are one in the same in, in, in the Blarge department, but, uh, oh, but he's the OG. For okay. Sure, All right. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess so. But, uh, he put together a whole infograph of all of our scores throughout all our time together, which has been, uh, I think we're past the 30 episode mark by now. And, uh, he, this is episode 31. Hell yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I think I'm going to, I'll post that on our Twitter at, at a polarized pod. And it kind of shows this kind of cool, uh, line graph of comparing my movie, my ratings to Brandon's ratings, my rate, my ratings to critics ratings, my ratings to audience ratings. And the same goes for Brandon. And then, uh, it's done this way that like was so pleasing for me. It was such a happy surprise for, uh, Corey Blarge to, uh, to send it to us and be like, Whoa, this is, this is so fascinating to see. Yeah. That's uh, so cool. I'd love to see that. I want to see that. Yeah. And our, our most like opposed just as like a little tidbit, I think we maybe like at the end of like a year of our podcast being around or something, at some point we want to do like a retrospective and we'll go through it. But, uh, oh, um, yeah. but that's yeah, I think our most, our most movie. disagreed upon movie was fat man, which we did recently, which I thought that was, in. it was like, we were pretty in line. And then fat men were like, <laughs> <laughs> changed. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're going to pick our next movie. Brandon, I was going to ask you, I, I usually like to field, uh, questions at the, at this point, do you want to do something similar to what we've done? Do you want to do something like very different? Cause like we could do even like another Michael Bay, we could do like another Bruckheimer. We could do, uh, you know, something just completely different. Um, do a romance. Yeah, I like drama. I like that you guys brought up. Have you guys done any of the ocean movies or like any type of like trilogy? Oh, like a tr- see, that's what I was actually looking at recently. And if we were interested in doing a franchise, it would you know take place over multiple weeks. Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, At World's End, and Dead Man Tell No Tales are all polarizing movies. If we ever want to go down the Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, that would be cool. Transformers cool. is also polarizing. Um, I'm, I checked the other ones, but then the other ones like are rotten. They're like all rotten, bad, but they keep making them. It's crazy. Like they're yeah. just like, yeah, they're, but I mean, it's just whatever. Rotten Tomatoes, as we've learned too, is not like the only tracker of, of what, a, of, of what a good or bad movie is. I like, I like Pirates of the Caribbean over uh, Transformers though. I just, from this podcast, I feel like it might you guys might just turn into a shitting on Michael Bay yeah, podcast. Totally. <laughs> I know. I don't think my, uh, my soul can handle it. Um, but then Pirates of the Caribbean is also kind of action adventure. So do you want to go down that same, same path? Should I throw out some more other genre type movies? Like, uh, how do you, Oh, what do you got, Brandon? How do you, yeah. how do you feel about empire records? Sure. What's, what's the ratings on that? Uh, it is 31 critics, 83 audience. It's on our list, and the connection here is Liv Tyler. Yeah, I was oh, just I like that. Is that. Yeah, a little Liv like Tyler, a, yeah, a little like, Liv it's Tyler. Like, it's like yeah. movie game or something. We'll do like a yeah uh, person who's that's in a it. good. I like that one. That's pretty cool. I love that. Uh, cool. Well, you know, I've never seen this movie. I think I might have seen like snippets or something, but this was this was one growing up. Like, you know, I know you would run into people and be like, "Oh, have you seen Empire Records?" I'd be like, "No," I'd be like, "What? You haven't seen Empire Records? Yeah, what? Yeah, what? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, people probably say th- say the same thing about Armageddon in 1998 or something like what? What you haven't seen it? What? Um, but I will find all those people and tell them I have uh, in a few weeks, so that'll be great. Uh, <gasps> Hell cool. yeah! 
Well, it, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, Mike, do you want to share anything going on with your life uh, to all those, all those polar bears out there? Uh, no, you know, just keep, keep loving what you love. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Uh, movies are, are a beautiful form of art that humans have created that should stick with our history for, for years and years to come. Uh, so regardless of, of what our reviews are or what critics reviews are, uh, you like what you like and, and just stick with that. So Preach. hell yeah. Love dude. being on the podcast now for the second time. Love the show. Uh, love you guys both. Thanks for having me. It's been an absolute blast. Fuck yeah, dude. I, that was, that was such a, such a great send off. And I, I just have to plug your, I got to plug you myself because you've been doing some pretty awesome Dota two streams on Twitch at, at large B L A R J. Uh, yep. stop by, say hello. Um, and while you're there, check out our, uh, Twitch channel, polarized pod, um, on Twitch dot com or twitch.tv whatever it is and uh and yeah we'll be streaming there um i don't know we we kind of we're kind of uh also please rate review like subscribe to uh we're on all wherever you get podcasts if you want to send us suggestions of bits we're taking that particularly i think right now getting maybe some segments or if you have some uh like critiques or whatever uh like the audio sucks or <laughs> Whatever it is. Like, if you're passionate enough to write us in, uh polarize the pod at gmail.com uh is where you can write. Thank us. you so much. Yeah, we we get we're a little spotty with some of the audio on some of these episodes. Thank you so much for for joining us. We're pretty new at this. Um and we've just been having a great time uh talking the movies. Blast. And as as I've said before, it's as much like a podcast as is it is it is an excuse to hang out with our good friends and and talk about things that, <laughs> you know, even if we don't like, again, I was questioning whether I was like, do I like this movie? Enjoy it, whatever. But the one thing I know I do enjoy is chilling with my buds and, and talking yep. about some <laughs> and I knew, I knew this was going to be one that was going to be fun. There's other movies. I'm like, oh, I don't know what to say. I'm not sure. What, but this one I was like, this will be fun to talk. This was like a no brainer, yeah. really fun, easy one. And again, Mike, please come by uh, anytime. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be a space movie, but you're kind of starting this trend. So it, it might have to be. We'll, we'll, I don't, I don't mind it. I I'm just a uh, honored to be invited anytime. So <laughs> hell yeah. You, man. All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll see you next time for empire records. Uh, that is a 31% audience, 83% or sorry, 31% critics, 83% audience. Uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, goodbye, Mike. Goodbye. Great Brandini. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.